Welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on September the 5th, 2017. I'm your host, Game Psychologist, and with me, as always, my sidekick? I don't know what we've been doing. What, you're not even uh, <laughs> going to give me a funny title this week? I don't know what to title you this week. There's been so many things. <laughs> oh, caffeine rage. I guess I've lost all my titles. <laughs> you have too many. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we played. We'll be discussing the Shadow of War charity DLC and how it might not be quite so charitable. Uh, we'll be discussing the Fallout 4 Creation Club, its files auto-download and break-free mods. We'll be talking about Final Fantasy X's nude mods. Destiny 2's microtransactions include equipment modifications. Do you shoot Grandma or help her across the street? The anatomy of good in-game choices, according to Obsidian. We'll have our weekly community corner, our Steam weekly discovery queue, and timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. We have had an interesting conversation <laughs> for like the last 10 minutes that some of it might be outtakes this week, but most of it will definitely wind up in Franken content. Oh, yeah. It's uh, been an interesting time. Masturbation yeah. jokes, masturbation jokes. Dicks and Although, boobs. Yeah, dicks and boobs. Although, given what we're going to be talking about and the things that we talked about before we even started recording... <laughs> not off topic. <laughs> we needed some good dicks and boobs to, to yeah, liven not, the mood. Well, not off topic for some things and, you know, a, a leavening for others. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a really bad time yeah, to be an American right now. Between Donald Trump and two hurricanes, we're getting really fucked. Yeah, granted, uh, this will be releasing about the time it hits, but if you're in Florida, get the fuck out! Yeah. Yeah, the estimates place it making landfall between Friday and Sunday, which is a pretty big gap, but it's still far enough out that they have so many different projections. They're not sure where it's going to go once it hits the Dominican Republic and the the Virgin Islands, so... Well, uh, the uh, Virgin Islands are going to have to change their name after this because they're about to get fucked. You know, as soon as I said that, I thought about, like, all of those Chuck Norris jokes and everything. And then you made a joke about the hurricane. Good times. Unless you're in the path of the hurricane. I'm being horribly irreverent tonight. Uh, don't worry. I I'm sure it won't, uh, you know... Uh impact on any of our discussion for more sensitive topics yeah also goodbye listeners that we might have in the dominican republic which i don't think we have any it's been a while you since know, you know, looked speaking at our of demographics, demographics. Uh, there, there is one thing i kind of noticed on at least my youtube channel is that there's someone in norway that's been watching all the vgl episodes so hello norway i don't know who you are <laughs> no i'm not joking no i, I believe you i, I went to my demo uh, into my analytics and it's like why the hell am i so popular in norway and then i uh, went there and saw vgl you know for like the last 30 episodes uh watched uh in full and uh the uh, the thing about my channel is you know i'm still low enough where noise levels uh, uh, has kind of the background noise, but then anything that someone's watching three hours, uh, you know, a week straight, um, it, you know, it'll pop up. So I saw this, it's like, 
Who do we know in Norway? Nobody <laughs> that I know of, but hey. <laughs> Norwegian listener out there, hit us up. I don't, th- and maybe you have already, and I just don't know you're from Norway, but regardless, let me know. It's just one of those things. It, it was, I saw it and thought, wait, what? <laughs> oh. Because I've been toying around with the, trying to get a little bit more traffic. And it seems to be doing at least something. Either that or I uh, have a couple outliers on the Sunday sampler. Speaking of which. Yeah. Uh, I guess now's a good time to go ahead and talk about the games that we played this week, Rage. Yeah. Which, As usual, you're back to going first. Yeah, because I have actually games I played this week. Uh, at least somewhat in depth. Uh, a couple of these I haven't. Uh, too much in depth. But uh, we're going to be talking about Paladins again uh, for a little bit. I did a little bit of multiplayer on this. Uh, prepping for the sun, or for the Friday stream. That kind of didn't happen because it was only me there. and Well, and Jared, of course. But. Uh, I'll have to say, uh, Paladins don't really, doesn't really do it for me, and I kind of made a discovery about myself playing this game. Boy, that sounds a lot dirtier now that I said it out loud. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and suddenly Jared's really, really interested. <laughs> I'm, I'm into this. I don't know where we're going with this, but I'm, I'm along for the journey. Well, I made it kind of a discovery why the MOBA in, in by extension, the hero shooter kind of doesn't really click with me. It's that, it's just a pure lack of information going into it fresh. Now, created Paladins and you know, uh, Overwatch and the hero shooter genre isn't as extreme as the MOBA genre, but it's the same root problem is that I don't know what the fuck. I mean, it comes back to Transistor once again. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I was playing my first couple matches online uh, Paladins, and I realized that Every single hero, except the one I was actively playing, I had no, absolutely no clue on even their health pools. You know, because you can see your health, your damage numbers popping up, you know, as you pluck away at them. And you could eventually try to get a feel on, okay, who's more tanky than who? But then you start factoring in all the abilities and all the ultimates and everything else, and it made me realize that it requires a lot more of a time commitment to even have a grasp on what I'm encountering that I really feel comfortable with. And that kind of uh, made me realize, okay, well, that's probably my problem with MOBAs as well. well. On top of kind of the toxic nature of the community that surrounds us, which I kind of understand on that front where it's usually very long games. And someone actively not doing well not only hurts your own team, but actually helps the enemy team. So I understand kind of the toxic nature around us, but it was kind of a moment of self-discovery on that that uh, I found kind of interesting. Right. Well, and I do think that MOBAs and uh, uh, hero shooters could probably help themselves by having a more limited starter league. You know, have you know your what they consider the core of their roster in a you know a five v five match, but you know have it where you only have a choice of maybe ten heroes. You know something like that. You know, have it. You know, kind of warm me up to the idea. You know. Yeah, it would probably help a little bit too in. Um like fully paid 
versions of these instead of the free-to-play ones because at least then you have the entire character pool to play with and learn as opposed to like paladins you have what is it you have one from each class so five plus whatever's on rotation which i think is another like two or three heroes so you have let's say between five and ten heroes that you have access to but there's another like ten that you can't play unless you buy them or you know wait for them to go into the rotation yeah, and well, you also have the problem of, at least for uh, Paladins, and uh, I'm pretty sure Overwatch does it as well, where on, it's uh, Highlander style. There could be only one of each hero on a team. Yeah, which in some ways is beneficial, but if you're just playing casual mode, like, if I don't get, like, if someone takes Pip before I get Pip, I just leave. Because I don't want to play any other hero. I know Pip. <laughs> Except what animal he is. <laughs> I don't I don't see species. I'm not speciesist. Well, see, I at least acknowledge the superiority of the trash panda. Fair enough. Anyways. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it was kind of a moment of just uh, uh, things clicking for me. I mean, it's not that I actively dislike paladins or really the Bubba genre. It's just I don't have a lot of interest in it. And that's part of the reason why we uh, went to play Crossout in that in <laughs> our game club game. And that, and also I think Jared kind of likes it. What, Crossout? Yeah. Yeah, I really like Crossout. <laughs> it's a good game. But I'm not going to talk about it because it's not time for game club. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game club. <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to end up talking more about Crossout than we did Transistor. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Which is going to be weird because... Crossout was meant to be a palate cleanser after Transistor. <laughs> oh. Well, it definitely cleansed our palate, just it was way better. So far. Yeah, so far. I got so, to level 10. We'll have to play again. Yeah. Soon-ish. Anyways. Well, if no one shows up for uh, the Friday night stream, I guess, uh, at least then. <laughs> yeah, we'll go shark asked about playing it anyways. <laughs> I told him we'd see. Oh, uh, well, let's see. Well, let, let's move along uh, to uh, the trail frontier challenge. This is well, the trail, the mobile game it came to Steam not too long ago uh, for a paid version. I didn't spend a lot of time with this because I ended up getting something better for the Sunday sampler, but I thought I would talk about it nonetheless because I'm not sure if I would get around to it, and it does some interesting things to change things up it it's a lot more game structured uh, this time around the trail on mobile is kind of a free form you know you go off do your own thing this feels a lot lot more structured in that they took away all the microtransactions but they also gave you a lot more skills to try to level up and a lot more challenges on the trail itself to focus on as you're doing your little nature hike and it kind of feels like they missed the point of the trail. You know? Do they still have that stupid backpack mechanic? They still have that stupid backpack mechanic. But it's a well, lot easier to shit. Uh, it's a lot easier to upgrade your backpack now. You don't have to do the microtransactions to get the uh, recipe. Okay, that's good. But it's still, you know, uh, the uh physics based uh, backpack <laughs> simulator. <laughs> oh goody! 
uh, it's one of those things that, oh, and something else, something else that uh, I'm not sure if the trail on mobile did this, but because there's so fewer players on the Steam version, it's a lot more apparent that these aren't actually people that you're walking around with. These are ghosts. They're, uh, yeah, you know, the, uh, the client side data of, uh, or I should say the server side copy of a, a player that played the game previously, probably the mobile version, to be perfectly honest. And it's kind of uh, one of those things that, okay, on mobile, it's a lot more, oh, well, these could be real players, but on Steam, you know, especially for this being a $15 game, I mean, it's really expensive for, <laughs> uh, for so, a, for a mobile port. It's a really high mobile. Or really high PC tax. Yeah, really. Granted, they do take away all the microtransactions. They take away all the advertisements. Uh, a matter of fact, the character that shows up that gives you the, you know, uh, watch this ad to, you know, be able to get the, uh, some sort of bonus isn't even in the game. At least that I can tell. Granted, I only got an hour and some change into it because I was having performance issues. <laughs> I was getting a uh, FPS hitch whenever it was loading uh, new data. I mean, a noticeable hitch. Granted, if I was recording it, I wouldn't have noticed because it was going from 60 down to about 40 for just a split second. And I didn't try doing a uh, uh, V-Sync on 30 just to see if it kind of smoothed things out because I got something a lot better, which I'm going to talk about in just a moment. Okay. But it also, because it's such a larger screen, all the graphical pop-in and all the... uh terrain pop in is a lot more apparent. It's one of those games that it feels weird saying, go play the mobile version. <laughs> well, it's kind of like the whole Silent Hill, Hill? Silent Hill <laughs> deal, how that they used fog to hide the fact that the render distance was really low and things like that. Yeah, and, and this they just use the... a fucking small screen. Yeah. Makes me wonder if uh, the tablet version, uh, yeah, playing on tablet would have been bad. Don't know. I, I just don't have a tablet, so I, it didn't even cross my mind until, you know, uh, playing on PC. It's like, huh, this is very apparent that they're popping in. And it's not just, you know, okay, uh, the fact where trees kind of grew up in the uh, distance, you know, kind of neat. But uh, the fact that it's a very, very basic shape and then suddenly it gets all its detail. Yeah, that is very apparent, especially on a larger screen. Yeah. And I was going to check to see if, you know, moving the game to an SSD improved things, but I just didn't get around to it. It just I couldn't be bothered, to be perfectly honest. But wanted to talk about it anyway, because, yeah. It's a very <laughs> steep PC tax, and there's a reason why only a handful of people are playing it. <laughs> I had thought about buying it on PC, because I kind of like the mobile version, but like the idea of not having the ads and all that shit, but sounds like maybe I shouldn't do that. I would say it may be one of those games to try on sale because they do have, uh, it feels like progression overall would be a lot smoother, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just rough, at least right, right now. Granted, you know, it could be patched. I mean, it re- well, it released August 15th. I was checking the release date because I got it about two weeks afterwards. So, you know, maybe it'll get patched, or but then again, yo, know, to be fair, this is a Peter Molecule game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Fable and stuff got patched, too, though. Yeah, true. It's, it's just, uh, Peter Molecule. 
Peter Molyhew. Okay, so let's move along to Songbringer. This is a procedural generation plus Zelda-like plus sci-fi theme uh, uh, indie game. And it's actually fairly good, which is a little bit surprising because, honestly, uh, the Legend of Zelda likes, they tend to kind of run the game from absolutely awful to, uh, well, excellent, but this one, I wouldn't put it on the excellent uh, scale, but it, uh, I would recommend trying it out if you're interested in the game. Yeah, explain this game to me, because I saw it on, I think, Keymailer or something. Yeah, okay, well... And it's like, looking at it, I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it's one of those games that it definitely doesn't do well in screenshots. It's, well, the best way to describe it is old-school NES Legend of Zelda with a sci-fi theme. You crash on a planet uh, from, your you're a scout from the ship Songbringer, hence the title of the name. Or title of the game, I should say. Title of the name. Uh, and you need to figure out what the hell's going on. You uh, grab a sword. And for some reason, you lost your shirt in the crash. And they actually make light of that. You know, why am I shirtless? <laughs> what happened to my shirt? <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Uh, and you're trying to figure out what's going on in the world and get back to your ship. Uh, I didn't get far enough to figure out what is going on exactly. There is hints that there's... a uh, yeah, a lot of story going on in the background that you'll eventually uncover. But the big draw of this, well, for one, it has pretty competent combat, Legend of Zelda style. And uh, it's one of those things that in my write-up of my uh, Quick Look video, it's like, how many times did I say Zelda in this? Because it's the easiest shorthand. It's a... Uh, I'm not even sure what to call this uh, camera perspective. It's not isometric, but yeah, it's kind of a tilted uh, scene, and uh, you're able to equip you know, your various tools and uh, weapons and various uh, slots and use them pretty freely, uh, depending on your style and uh, as the environment kind of demands. Granted, it is a little cumbersome on switching items because you have to do a hold uh, to uh, equip everything, and it kind of slows things down. And also, combat does feel a little stilted because it's a little sluggish and there's no way to really dodge effectively in the early game. You do get a dodge ability fairly quickly, depending on how lucky you are with your procedural generation, which I'll get into a little bit. Uh, but also, there's no way to shield damage, so you have to learn, okay, this guy does a bit of a lunge attack whenever you're swinging the sword, and you have to kind of time things. And, well, since I brought up procedural generation, the world is, uh, well, I shouldn't say randomly generated, but it's generated off of a six-character seed whenever you start your save file. And depending on where you uh, uh, start off, you could encounter various dungeons of uh, different uh, focuses. There's some more puzzle-oriented dungeons. There's some more combat-oriented dungeons. And the order that you take them really is up to you to well, as long as you have the these tools to get to them and get through them, because some of them require some you know, specialized tools, some yeah, much like Legend of Zelda, but some of them don't. I actually, in my first playthrough, my first playtesting, I should say, I got and beat the second dungeon before I even encountered the first, 
and I was kind of confused why my achievements were out, or until I looked at the map and saw, oh, that's marked as two, not one. And uh, there is a pitfall with procedural generation on a open world like this, is that you can hit a situation where you just have a bad roll, and you're not having things kind of click for you, and you just end up stuck. And that's what happened on another uh, playtest. Uh, ended up uh, generating two worlds in my playtesting with a third one fresh uh, for my video. Is that my second world? I just it wasn't clicking for me, so um, I was kind of in a stuck situation. And I'm sure that if I you know sat there and fiddled with it for a while, it would eventually unravel and I would uh, get my progress. But because of that, it's yeah, that's the downside of the procedural generation. Is that yep, um. <laughs> not really seeing where I'm uh, needing to go. I'm not getting the tools I, I think I need. I could be wrong on that to uh, be able to see forward progress, and it gets a little frustrating. Right. So, as you said rogue-like or rogue, rogue... Did you say light or like? Ro- rogue-light, as in... Uh, okay. Uh, this... Well, it has an option for permadeath, but I would strongly suggest against it. For one... A playthrough is probably in the order of six to eight hours. But also, I've ran into unavoidable damage because of the way they handle enemies. And that's one of my big drawbacks on the combat. Uh, the game handles each tile, like, uh, once again, Legend of Zelda, drink. And that there's a transition effect. You know, you get to the edge of the screen. The camera pans over the world until you're at the opposite edge. So if you're going to the left and you hit the left edge, the camera sweeps to the left until your character is back on the right, and then play continues. Pretty simple. And that's how they handled it, uh, handled the large world in Legend of Zelda. Well, the problem is they don't reset the enemy positions on transition. So if you uh, hit that transition uh state and then immediately go back you could get hit and also i hit a a couple times where enemies would just jump out of the bushes and i had no real idea that they were there granted that may be one of those things that you you eventually learn because this is a tile based procedural generation system so you could eventually see okay this tile high likelihood of enemies jumping out but also Going into the shops, the shops are in these caves that you uh, go down into and uh, you know, uh, buy with uh, diamonds because, you know, Legend of Zelda, you know, diamonds, rubies, see, get it? Uh, they actually make Sorry. that noise. Do they really? Yeah. Is that, that would be like copyrighted or something, Well, Well, right? well it's, it's not quite that noise, but, you know, uh, similar to it. Right. Uh, but anyway, you... you uh, you go into the shop and uh, uh, do your purchases. And the thing is that I'm pretty sure that the shop keeps the previous tile active. Because every time I've left the shop and I didn't kill all the enemies outside of it, they've been waiting right there in the doorway. And there's no in- invincibility frames once you have control of your character once again. And because whenever you uh, go downstairs or whenever you use a tool that is not designated as a combat tool, uh, you sheave your sword. And there's a, I would say about a half second delay of him uh, unsheathing his sword. That also adds to a little bit of the clankiness of combat. It's not to say it's a deal breaker. It's just, yeah, 
irritating and makes and really turns me off of even wanting to attempt a permadeath run. Granted, I really don't do permadeath anyway, especially in a more long-form RPG like this, but yeah. I will say that the game is absolutely beautiful, though. It's one of those games that screenshots do not do it justice. There's a lot of lighting effects and a lot of shadow effects that really make the game pop. But on the flip side of things, there's also some uh, areas where the game's a little bit busy visually. <laughs> yeah, some of the screenshots definitely yeah, make me feel that way. I mean, it's not completely, once again, a deal breaker. It's just, it keeps it from being a lot better. I would say it's a very competent uh, Zelda-like. And if you're itching for a, uh, you know, a Legend of Zelda-like adventure, especially one that you could replay, assuming that, you know, the whole idea of things shifting around, but I'm assuming the story doesn't really change, or I should say the overarching story, but having different secrets to find uh, uh, appeals to you. It's definitely something that you'll play a few times. Yeah, it doesn't sound like the kind of game that I would like. And here I thought, as soon as I said, you know, sci-fi, you know, you would uh, at least be interested. I mean, I'm interested. I'd give it a shot. I mean, I'd pick it up on sale for a few bucks and try it. But yeah, it, it is. Sound... Yeah, it is a, a bit on the expensive side for the indie side of things. It is a twenty buck game. But I will yeah. say that I enjoyed it, <laughs> which is, that's good. Which is kind of a rarity these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happens probably once every five-ish episodes. You've got a game and you're like, I really like this game. So, like, yeah, like once a month, you really like the game, or a game. Usually, at best, you're like, eh, it's t- pretty tolerable. Well, you make me sound terrible. You, you make me I, sound like some sort of hard-ass critic or something. I make you sound grumpy. No, grumpy's going to be in all oh, about... 30-ish minutes. I think I'm going to change your nickname on my <laughs> XCOM run to Grumpy. Are you just going to have all the <laughs> all the dwarves now? No, just you. Cause do you want some dwarf friends? I'll get you some dwarf friends. Well, as long as they're not fucking elves. <laughs> what if they want to fuck the elves? What if they think they're sexy or something? Ah. Elves are plant-worshipping little shits. But maybe they want to fuck them. Just because I ain't a vegetarian doesn't mean I wouldn't fuck someone who is a vegetarian. I played too much Dwarf Fortress to really like elves anymore. (laughs) Oh, stop cutting down all the trees. Uh, You're making us upset. We're going to attack you now. Oh, no, you... uh, you just sold us a piece of wood that we just sold you. Is that a wooden bin? How dare you? And no, I'm not uh, joking. These are actually things that would piss off the elves in Dwarf Fortress. You poor, poor man. Actually, if you try to sell them anything made of glass, because it uses potash, which yeah, is it comes from tr- uh, processing uh, wood. Yeah, fuck elves. <laughs> okay what's uh are you done talking about i, I think so uh, there's a lot of analogs to legend of zelda in this game for example one one of the early things you get is a top hat <laughs> that you uh, a top hat drone that you put on your head and it's used as the boomerang 
Nice. But one, uh, it's kind of interesting how they handle uh, sort of the procedural generation and non-linearity of this game because uh, in my three uh, different save files, for, for one, the world is vastly different. And also, I'm getting tools and, well, I should say the non-key items because you always get the sword on the first screen. You always get the top hat pretty soon after. But then I was starting to see some very, very different orders in how uh, things were being unlocked. And it makes me wonder if it's just me encountering things in a different way or if it's the game doing that. And if it's the game doing that, that's really interesting. Like guaranteeing different experiences. Yeah. So, moving well, somewhat swiftly along to our last game that I played, I, I decided to dive into the mobile market again, and I picked out something that they suggested to me, Post Night, which is, uh, I haven't played enough mobile games to really be able to describe this in a genre outside of maybe Auto Runner Combat, uh, with some RPG elements uh, thrown in. It's an interesting little time killer. It's one of those games that it's definitely not going to hold my interest for terribly long. It's something to pick up play for maybe five minutes or so. Uh, it, I guess other people would uh, describe it as a toilet game. <laughs> uh, but you're a post-knight, uh, essentially mailman plus armor. And you're running different routes and trying to uh, carry the post and uh, dealing with bandits and things along the way. And combat is you're... Uh, constantly running and you have to use abilities to try to counteract all the enemies that are coming at you. Uh, it does have some RPG elements. It has some uh, relationship elements. You know, you uh, uh, make friendly with some of the uh, girls in the town and uh, they give you gifts and that sort of thing. It is very, very clunky in its interface though. And that's probably what irritates me the most is that there's been more than a few times outside of combat, thankfully. Otherwise, you know, I would have uninstalled it already. I'll hit a button and I see the button, uh, yeah, uh, uh, be pressed in the game. I release it. Nothing happens. Hit it again. Nothing happens. Hit the third time. Oh, okay. I guess you're hitting that button. And on top of that, it's not exactly something that you're able to go between areas and buildings very easily. You have to do all the swiping and uh, the gesturing and that sort of thing and all the cussing whenever it doesn't work correctly. <laughs> Uh, uh, for example, to upgrade your potions, you have to uh, be uh, in town, and then you swipe over to the alchemist, and you hit her. Oh, wait a minute, it didn't register. Hit it again. Oh, okay, finally it uh, pops up. She has her text. You uh, go through. And then uh, the uh, potion has uh, three different effects. It has its potency, it has its cooldown, and it has its bonus effect, which so far I only have one potion, which is uh, giving me extra armor whenever I use it for a few seconds. Well, as you increase its potency, it also uh, increases the uh, cooldown, and you have to use uh, herbs on that. Well, the th thing is that makes this uh, clunky, and this gives you a good example of why this is so clunky. There's different times. So far, I've unlocked two, um, you know, just playing it for a couple of hours on and off. Each town uses different herbs. So... Okay, I just got a bunch of herbs for the last town, so I have to swipe over until I hit the uh, crossroads sign that allows me to bring up you know, my uh, time runs, but also my areas. I'm sure that there's probably a way to do this a lot faster, but I haven't found it. 
uh, you hit the crossroads sign. Oh, fuck it. Didn't register again. Hit it again. It finally comes up. Uh, goes over, go over to areas, uh, find the, uh, find the town that you want. Uh, click on the town, or sorry, tap on the town. Gotta make sure the terminology. Uh, uh, go to the town, then swipe over to the alchemist there. Like I said, it's a very, very clunky design. <laughs> right. Like, old, that feels very old school games, like old school iOS games. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mobile design's come a long way since then. There's, yeah. The thing is, this uh, was last updated September third of this year, so <laughs> it's not. Yeah, you know, it's uh, actively being supported, so it's not a old game. I would imagine it's just one of those things that it's very, very well. Like I said, clunky. That's uh, not to say that. I, don't enjoy killing a couple moments uh, with it because it is an interesting little uh, time killer. You know, just all the levels are under two minutes with most of them being 30 seconds or less. Uh, only the boss levels are of any real length and uh, the longer levels usually have some sort of rest stop in the middle. Either, you know, watch a commercial or pay, give one the paid currency, which... It actually gives you a trickle income of the paid currency uh, by doing levels, which is interesting. I'm assuming that, you know, there's some sort of psychological thing. Oh, I'm only a couple of gems away. I'll give you 10 bucks. Yeah. Give you a few bucks to get those last few gems instead of waiting. Uh, but, uh, like I said, the, there's usually a rest stop in the middle. But granted, usually you're doing okay. And also, in town, you have to uh, wait for your uh, wounds to heal. But it's usually just a few seconds. Unless, you know, you just got trashed on the last level, then, you know, it's a, probably about a minute. And at that point, you know, I just turn off the game. Because, you know, you heal outside of the, it being active. But it's not a bad little time killer. Nice. I like to have those. I've got a couple on my phone. Um, cool. Well, I guess it's time for me to talk about games. Uh... I was sick over the weekend. I was sick on really bad on Sunday and then not quite as bad on Monday, but still sick enough that I was like up and down and didn't want to do much. So I just uh, sat down in my recliner in the living room, flipped on my laptop, particularly on Sunday, uh, and streamed XCOM 2 over from my PC pretty much all day. (laughs) And boy, have I discovered many more things about this game. Most of them I like, a couple of them I I don't like, uh, and I've been playing it a lot with mods. So I complained last week about the uh, many, if not most, of the missions having that turn timer that you had to complete the objective in, on average, eight turns, or you failed the mission outright. Uh, I I modded that out. Now only the story missions that have turn timers have turn timers. Um, so that immediately improves the game immensely. Uh, then I put in a mod to add more enemies, like, uh, new enemy types and variations on the current enemies, which definitely ups the difficulty of all the missions, even on, like, normal difficulty, just because there's four or five more, um, opponents for every mission. And then the nude mods. Not yet. Um... So that's good. That makes the game a little bit more difficult, kind of counteracts the whole, or counteracts it being easier since I don't have to worry about the timer. Um, 
and then I've discovered quite a few things in, in that are in the game as part of the DLC. So there's there's a set of armor that you can get from one of the DLC missions called Rage Armor. Yes. Can you guess who gets that armor? No, I can never understand why would you give it to me. <laughs> yep, your your character has that armor. Uh, oh, and I got a uh, battle axe mod. I mean, so it now does. You have a battle axe, and you I mean, it rage does armor. have uh, yeah my name on it. Yep, you're the only person who gets to use the battle axe from the axe mod. Everybody else <laughs> uses the uh, the tomahawks or the hatchet, which are are faster but weaker melee weapons. But you, <laughs> you get the fucking battle axe. So that's definitely going to carry over into my let's play. You're you're gonna get that. Uh, I'm using the commander's choice mod, which allows you to uh, select which soldier soldier class your rookies level up into. Uh, that's nice, especially when I didn't understand what different classes did early on in the game. I was like, why do I keep getting so many grenadiers? I want a different class. But the grenadiers are really useful. They might be the best class in the game. Um, so many grenades. When they're fully upgraded, they can carry f- five grenades that do more damage and have larger blast radius than anyone else carrying grenades. And they can launch them farther because they have a grenade launcher. They're probably the best. Because you're just like, fuck it. I'm going to play this like old school XCOM and level the city. <laughs> just kill everything and level the city. Duke up from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Um, but they've added a lot of a lot of really good story stuff. I mean, not that the first XCOM didn't have story, but it was just kind of sprinkled in there. There's a lot of stuff, particularly that nods back to the first XCOM game, and then there's some references to the original XCOM series that I don't think were present in the first game. Um, and they, you know, I said that last week that it had a good story. They've just put in a lot of good stuff i'm really surprised at the type of story that they put in um also there's some things that i think my play style is just very slow um i tend to be pretty methodical uh and that makes the inclusion of the basically doomsday timer uh difficult to deal with but once you actually start advancing the main story missions you get quite a bit of counteraction on the doomsday clock there's a uh, you get between one and two tick marks removed for every like alien facility you destroy, and then there's certain enemy types that are connected to the doomsday clock. And whenever one pops up, you have a, an opportunity to kill it in the mission. And if you do, it resets the doomsday clock by a couple of tick marks. And then all of the main story missions reduce the progress of it. So if you were playing probably a little more quickly, which I think is how they intended the game to be played. Um, if you played a little more quickly, I think the Doomsday Clock is a little bit less frustrating. But I still put a mod in that basically doubles the the, the timer, so you get you know twice as much time to to go through things. It is like, interesting that they uh, expect you to kind of do almost speed chest with this game. Yeah, yeah, it gives you a little bit in the beginning before the Doomsday Clock starts ticking, and then it starts ticking, and for a while it's like things. But as you unlock more things and can start fighting back, it evens out and then starts to go back the other direction. But I hate I hate feeling rushed. I don't want to be rushed. Like that's not the XCOM that I want. Well, come on, let's move along. So there's mods for that. Um, 
there's a lot of unique armor sets in the game too, which was not a thing in the first one. Uh, one of the DLCs adds a set of unique, basically boss enemies, and whenever you fight them and kill them, you can research or you can do autopsies on them and then research like the technology based on their unique like alien carcasses, and they each have uh, special weapons and armor that you can get from them and that's pretty cool there's a suit that looks like a, a giant snake uh that one's pretty badass and then there's like i mean the rage suit is one of those and until you like give it custom colors it looks really weird because it's basically like a body suit and it's colored flesh tone so it makes you look like you're naked oh so that's why you gave it to me yeah actually i didn't like it it looks weird it's hard to explain unless you can like unless you see it but it looks weird. I didn't like it, so I I made it custom color so it looks more like a suit of armor instead of just a bodysuit. But there's some neat stuff in there. There's a lot of neat things. Uh, I've got my roster rounded out. Uh, I have 17 VGL people in my roster plus uh, 10 or 12 more characters that I created. Uh, some of them are people that I know in real life, and then some of them are just like I'm not using enough of the weird, wacky stuff. Like, everyone looks mostly like soldiers. I need, like, a few weird characters. Because from the DLC packs, there's, like, top hats and weird... Oh, simple. Have Total Biscuit on your squad. <laughs> I might I might do that, actually. Oh, uh, is, oh, I'm blanking on the name of it, but I'm looking at the Rage suit on here. And I, on PBS, there used to be this weird guy that had a bodysuit on that was, like... A, uh, showed the human anatomy. Not like that, but, you know, stomach, heart, that sort of thing. And it yeah. reminded me of that. You know what I'm talking about? No, I do not know what you're talking about. Okay, so uh, uh, continue talking. I'm going to go uh, looking for this. Right, but so I've got like 10, 10 or 12 other characters. So my roster's about 30. Um, and I'm hoping this weekend to start recording my YouTube series for this. In two weeks... Uh, my wife's going out of town for work and I'm sending my kid to stay with my parents out or with my parents for a couple of days. And I'm going to do some pretty heavy recording during then. Um, I don't even know if I'm going to finish the game before I start recording it. I'm not sure how close I am to the end. Um, I know I've got at least two more missions before, like two more main story missions before I beat the game. But I'm not 100% sure. Alright, let's look at this. Oh! That's weird looking. All right. <laughs> well, let's just put it this way. I found it very easily by typing in PBS bodysuit guy. <laughs> there you go. Um, but I really like XCOM. I love XCOM. I love it. Love, 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 love it. So good. So I can't wait to do my YouTube series. I'm, I'm gonna, I mean, I'll go very in depth in this in the first episode because I've got some special rules for myself to follow and things like that because I think we mentioned this last week. Um, definitely at least when I was talking to you, but kind of like Iron Man light, um, you know, the sort of how I handle rim world. Yeah. Like if there's a recording problem or some kind of glitch <laughs> or something, then I can go back and redo something. But otherwise like what happens happens. Um, so I want to create some unique lose conditions as beyond just like, if you lose the game, you lose. Cause I don't think that's going to happen. Unless, like, the difficulty really ramps up and becomes something that's hard to deal with. Like, if you don't or if lose you've run out on, of your roster. Yeah, like, that's that's the thing. When when my roster's gone, 
Well, the I'm thing not- is, I had to expand my, expand my roster, not because I was losing people, because I was holding on to too many. Well, but, in the in the uh, base, I, I'm sorry, sorry, I just found this guy's name, and it's <laughs> I forgot about this until you know I, I saw the rage armor. It's like, oh, his name is Slim Goodbody. <laughs> also, <laughs> also known as Mister Goodbody, the superhero of health. He was created in the '70s, so that explains a lot. Yep. Um. Drugs were involved. But in order to really play XCOM 2 successfully, you need at least two full squads, like two full six-person squads, in order to be active all the time. Uh, Really, you need three. Because whenever people get injured, they're out for a lot longer than XCOM 1. Um, Like, someone had to basically... uh, uh, What was it? Go unconscious and then be stabilized and rescued from the field in the first XCOM to be out for more than 10, 12 days unless you're playing on, I think, Iron Man mode. That extended it. But if you get more than just, like, a flesh wound, like, more than just one or two damage in a mission... So, tis but more a scratch? Yeah, if it's... If it really is but a scratch, you're out for five days. If it's you know, tis but a scratch and your arm's off, then you're out for... No, it isn't. ...two or three weeks... I've had characters be out for almost a month with injuries, especially in the beginning of the game before I got the upgraded med bay, which reduced or which cuts um, healing times in half. Yeah, the and then, first XCOM, unless you actually lose people, you don't really need more than I would say than a squad and a half, really. Yeah, you you need you need basically the entire VGL roster that I've put together in order to be functional at all times. Um, so. So is Groove a tank uh, because he's sitting in his crate the entire time? <laughs> Groove's nickname is Jambalaya. <laughs> there's in the DLC. There's a Kaiser helmet from World War One, and Groove's German. And I really had to resist the urge to not put the or to put the Kaiser helmet on. <laughs> like I really contemplated it for a while. I think I came up with a healthy compromise, which I'll save for for when it when the series starts. So it's the toothbrush mustache. Got it. But I tried really hard. Those of you that I know what you look like, I tried to get it as close as possible. And then those of you that I don't know what it looked like, I tried to to go based on your personality as much as I know. So like Jim, uh, for example, well, I mean, I know what Jim looks like. Uh, and also he works at a tech company. So he his class by default is going to be the specialist, which is, they get all of the tech stuff. Um and then I did the same for Chemist, who also works in uh, software development. So those two kind of made sense. Uh, you obviously had to be um, a ranger, which are the melee class people. Uh, and te- like it's not a real class, but I call it the berserker, which is everything that focuses on increasing movement speed and melee damage. Yes, All because you know updates. I'm uh, great at moving around uh, very quickly. Yeah, I thought about that. I but I went more with the rage as opposed to the bum leg. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, usually whenever I play XCOM, I really love my snipers. Yeah, the snipers in XCOM 2 are still effective, but they're less... I think they're... Less effective is the wrong word. It, it's just the game is balanced around having a more diverse team. Um, it's really hard to win with half of your team being snipers. Well, usually I would is... take one. If uh, it's a mission that I felt like I was going to be holding a position for a long time, I would take two. Yeah, well, very few. There's very few of those missions. Even in the missions where you can have a sniper 
posted in one spot for most of it, you still have to get them across the map to retreat. And snipers are very vulnerable because the armor that actually helps the snipers out is light armor, which gives no defensive bonuses and very little health bonus. Also, it's paper. Pretty much. It gives agility bonus, but honestly, that's pretty useless when there's nine enemies that you've got to run past to get to the evac zone. Oh, that's just when you uh, paint camouflage on it. Yeah, because the the pink camouflage that I have on people really helps. (laughs) Oh, dear God, you're making everyone pink. No, not everyone's pink. I tried to come up with a, a mix of color schemes for people. So, you can name weapons. I discovered that. You can name your weapon. Uh Uh-oh. So, everybody's got got weapons with names. Unfortunately, you can't name melee weapons. You can only name primaries. Uh And there is a mod that makes melee weapons primary weapons, but it clashes with some of the other mods that I'm using and causes the game to crash. So simple. Just get a post-it note. (laughs) Put put it on my battle axe. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Cube Cube is a sniper, and his weapon is is named uh, Big Bertha. And that made me really happy. Like, way happier than it probably should have, but it did. <laughs> but I cannot wait to do this series. I'm so excited. How are you going got... to split this up? Because XCOM missions are kind of long. A lot are of you, them... Are you going to just do... Well, granted, I haven't played XCOM 2. Uh, are you going to do, it like, one mission an episode? I don't know. A lot of XCOM 2's, like... I guess you'd say randomly generated missions are pretty short. You can get through them in 20 or 30 minutes... Which is, I think I'm going to be shooting for like hour long episode lengths, 45 minutes to an hour. But now some of the story missions are really, really long. There was one that took me nearly two hours to complete because it has three parts to it. Um, and then the, like the ship defense. So your ship can get shot down. Um, you have like a helicarrier as your mobile HQ. And like the aliens are actively hunting it and the later you get in the game the more they try and hunt you and shoot you down and eventually like i got shot down that mission took a long time because they don't mess around probably made it like they send in reinforcement reinforcements like every two turns that you have to fight through in order to like destroy this thing that's keeping your ship in place and so they're sending in reinforcements every two turns plus i've got the mod turned on that adds more enemies to every battle and it's just it was a slog i have there was there was one like one rookie who got something like 25 kills in that fight they got promoted all the way to uh a colonel which is like the maximum rank and that mission like you like your guys send in reinforcements too you can have more than six soldiers six soldiers on the field at a time so it's like every two turns they get reinforcements and you get reinforcements and it's just like Jesus. It's a big battle. That one took a while. The first time I did like the first uh base assault, that one took a couple of hours. So I don't know. I probably wind up splitting some of the bigger ones into multi-part episodes. But in general, just like the randomly generated missions don't take up too much time. And a lot of time is spent in the like the map menu towards the mid and late game. Because you're just like, well, I got to kill time for this research to pass, or my soldiers to heal, or whatever. I guess I'll fly over here and like scan for a little bit, see if I can find some resources. Go back to base. Go to oh, the, go to Mass Effect Two. Just uh, kill time scanning. Go go to the black market. Sell them sell them some alien carcasses. See if they have anything nice to buy. So, it's good. I'm excited. I can't wait. 
Uh, I'm, I'm going to try and do like the first couple of episodes this weekend. And then, yeah, next weekend, I'm, I've set aside like 12 hours to record and then start editing and things like that. So I, I did some recording tests. The files for XCOM 2 are not that big. Uh, I don't understand the performance of this game. It's pretty. Oh, don't worry. Nobody else does. <laughs> it's pretty, but it's not like gorgeous. And it's not very intense. Like, gra- like I can pull up my, um, uh, my shit. Like the MSI Afterburner stuff, where you can see uh, all of your core usages and everything. Like I can pull up all of those stats. Uh, and it's like it's not using too much of anything. But as soon as I flip on any recording software, I tried OBS, I tried XSplit, um, I tried DXQuery. Actually, it just like its performance goes to shit. And so I really had to spend some time, like, tweaking the graphics settings, like, to get it recording well. And, I mean, it records now at a nice 60 FPS, but I'm just like, what the hell is this? I don't understand. It's probably just, like, a weird interaction. Or maybe something to do with the mods, actually. That could be maybe. causing some issues. Now yes, modding can do uh, odd things. I mean, I had to cut a couple things out of RimWorld because it just... There was some odd things going on. Actually, there was one mod I really was looking forward to trying out, the psychology mod, that it eventually, after a couple hours, I guess it just built up enough junk in the background. Every time someone would chat with one another, it, there would be a just a small marker stutter. And you would think, yeah, that's not too bad. But you have to also realize that that happens a lot in a game like RimWorld. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'm going to export all of my characters right before I start recording. Uh, that way, in case I decide to add any more to the roster or maybe take some out that don't feel right. Um, the only mod that anyone needs in order to have everything like look exactly the same as the way that I have them is the Captain Bub's accessory pack. Uh, it's got berets. Gotta have some berets for some of my guys. And then it's got a whole bunch of stuff from XCOM 1 that didn't make it into XCOM 2. Uh, so just different hats and armor patterns and things like that. So, And helmets. There's not very many helmets, surprisingly. Um, I don't know if they went for the whole like um, like freedom fighter thing. So they're using like hats and scarves and things. But there's only like four or five uh, actual helmets by default in the game. And I like to have a nice variety of soldier helmets. Well, what's kind of funny, I, uh, well, a uh, former associate of mine was also doing an XCOM uh, 1 Long War, and I got put into that, and he spent ages you know, trying to figure out, okay, what face do I want? Then puts a full face uh, helmet on me. <laughs> yeah, I would, like, I would do outfits first, and I'm like, do I want this person to have a helmet? And then if I did, I wouldn't worry about the face at all. So I might have to go in and like fix some stuff because sometimes when you change armor, um, it changes some of your costuming around because not everything f- works with every piece of armor. So I might have to have some uh, like videos that fix that in the middle of the series. Like, all right, let's go play dress up. But I'll deal with that when it gets there. You're playing Excuse- with your dolls again? Absolutely. Right now I've only got like 18 mods working. I'm going to... I need to like check compatibility. I want to do Long War, but I'm definitely not going to record Long War. Yeah. I'm just going to play Long War like for fun. 
But uh, yeah, that's XCOM 2. I uh, don't think I'll talk about that anymore unless like I discover something like crazy or weird. Uh, just or at yeah. the end of your series, uh, yeah, sort of like how I handle uh, my uh, let's play stuff in yeah, general. Like, like next year, I played I've played XCOM 2 for 35 hours in the past week or two weeks, however it shows up on the, the Steam counter. So that's like 35 weeks of episodes, maybe more. Well, it also depends on how. Yeah, it depends on how you set it up because that's part of the reason why there's four RimWorld episodes a week. Yeah, granted, yeah, I, I could probably splice that a different way. You know, just have it two hour long episodes. But the thing is that it's a lot more palatable for people to have uh, two half hour episodes come out uh, within twelve hours or one another. It's a weird thing, you know. It's uh, YouTube's a strange place, indeed. Uh. Last thing, if you want to be on my list uh, of of characters to be in my XCOM game, please let me know. Uh, if you have XCOM yourself, you can design a character and send it to me. I'll import it into my game. Um, if you've ever came to stream night or sent in a letter to the podcast or anything like that, you're definitely on the list. Uh, and if you were a member of the our defunct Steam group, you're also on the list. Well, so it's that not covers... defunct. It's still there. It's just... Yeah, it's yeah, we just... don't do a lot with it because yeah, it's kind of uh, well, we have a small community to begin with, so it we may have uh, tried to overexpand. Yeah, so but if you've ever done those things, you're definitely included. Um, but you know, if you want to be included and you haven't done any of those things, let me know. Uh, and then the other game I played this week is X Morph Defense. So I got this from Key Mailer, and while the link goes to the Steam store page because it's better than the microsoft store page uh i did get this game as a for xbox um and it's definitely a controller game so even if i'd gotten it for pc i'd be playing with controller but it's this odd combination of tower defense and twin stick shooter and it's more freeform tower defense like you can place turrets anywhere and you use laser grids to create paths for the enemies to follow. So I don't know if that's like a specific type of tower defense or what, but it's not like your classic tower defense where like, oh, you place the towers here along the edge and you have to maximize your firepower. Uh, you're, you're trying to maximize the length of the route that they take to get to the objective so that you have more time yourself to fly around and kill stuff. Like, your towers kill stuff, but you are way, way more powerful than any of your towers. Even, like, fully upgraded towers. It looks the like basic. it may have some destructible terrain. It does. It has destructible terrain. So, other things you can use to help shape paths. You can destroy bit bridges. You can knock down buildings to block paths. Um, and then, just in general, for funsies, you can blow up buildings and stuff. And... I'm not sure if, like, there, I, I, so far I haven't seen indicators for, like, specific buildings to destroy. But sometimes you blow up a building and it's like, oh, I just blocked off that path. Great. Uh, and sometimes that's actually a bad thing because it messes up your pathing and might make a route actually shorter as opposed to longer. Because they'll find alternate routes once you destroy stuff. Yeah. But it's a fun little game. It's You're playing the aliens invading Earth and the humans are following the the routes to destroy you and it's got beyond just you being aliens it's got other sci-fi elements to it too like the humans have like super advanced weapons like the first boss you fight in the first level is like a giant spider tank and there's various other like mecha that you fight um there's really just large 
over like oversized, overpowered tanks and things like that. It's a lot of fun. It's got a neat art style. The voice acting is pretty good. Uh, the story's pretty simple, and it's actually it's feels weird to say this, but it's nice to play the aliens for once. <laughs> like all of these tower defense games, it's like defend against the aliens, but it's like now you're the well, aliens. What's well, the easy thing to do, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the part that really makes or breaks this game is that instead of it being like a you know, like I said, it's a got twin stick shooter elements in it. So you know, you're flying around this ship, and you've got weapons that you can equip to it and cycle through, and different like I guess maybe RPG elements. I mean, you have upgrades and stuff like that that you can do. And weapons loadouts that you can create. Um, and you f- fly around and actively during the battle help uh, destroy the attacking enemies. And in hard mode, there's no pauses. But if you play it on easy or normal mode, there's a pause between each wave. Where that you can kind of slowly go around and, and place things. Uh, in, in easy mode, it's unlimited time. And in normal mode, there's a timer. But it's still pretty generous. It's like two minutes. You can fly around the map and kind of observe things and figure out where you want to place all of your turrets and set up the best defenses. And then, yeah, in hard mode, there's no timer. It's just wave, 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 and you have to do it on the fly. So it's got nice difficulty scaling that way. Uh, I've played the first four or five missions. I'm not sure how many there are, but uh, there's, there's nice variety in level design and multiple ways to solve problems. Uh, like, if you take specific... Uh, weapons uh you can do specific things like some weapons uh are are better at destroying bridges or buildings and so you can use that to shape your terrain and focus more on like specialized turrets instead of deploying like the laser grids to create longer paths uh whereas certain weapons are great against air targets for example which is pretty pretty standard but the air targets specifically target you so mm-hmm. and so those are your main I mean the ground targets if you fly over them they'll shoot at you but they're really nothing to worry about uh, but the, the the gunships and the fighter craft specifically target you so most of the weapons are not very good against aircraft you've got like one like general purpose weapon that does you know mediocre against everything um, but the anti-air weapons obviously only fight against the fighters so it's like well do I sacrifice like my uh, a lot of my own power to fight aircraft or do i focus on something for the ground and try and use air turrets or whatever there's some nice strategy elements to it there like i definitely don't feel overpowered and when you die you don't lose you just suffer like a time penalty while you have to wait and respawn um and that increases with difficulty with normal it's in normal mode it's like five seconds in easy mode it's instant and hard mode is like 10 or 15 seconds um so it's it's pretty solid game i mean there's not like at least so far, there's not anything that I'm like ranting and raving about. But it's just a good, solid tower defense game. It's nice to see what feels like um, a little bit of evolution in the genre. Um, it's nice to see something a little bit different. And I mean, I, I like tower defense games. We've you know we've had this conversation before. I've, I've always really liked tower defense games. Uh, yeah, this sounds like one maybe I should have tried. I mean, I do have review code for it. It's just. Uh, usually tower defense, it falls down to more of a maze builder almost. Yeah, there's definitely some of those elements in this game. Yeah, but not nearly as much, it seems. Right, yeah, it's not build the entire, you know, there's very clearly a certain number of routes that you can force these guys to take, and you have a a pretty big degree of of freedom of how you do that, but it's not like a wide open field that you're trying to create a maze for them for. 
It's just like, how can I make their path the longest based yeah, on what uh, I've been where, given? That's where Defense Grid kind of lost me a bit. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Defense Grid's still fairly good. It's, uh, well, in, my, in my opinion, it's just, it's one of those things that uh, after, I would say, about a dozen levels, it starts uh, leaning a lot more heavily on the maze creation aspect of tower defense, and that's where I kind of lost my interest in it. Right. Yeah. Nope. So, I mean, this might do that at the end, too. I have no idea. But based on what I've seen so far, it, it does not do that. So, it's a good little game. I like it. Um, and I definitely would recommend if you decide to check this out, use a controller. I don't know how this would be... I mean, it would be playable with keyboard and mouse, but just given the nature of it, it doesn't feel like it would work very well with a mouse. I mean, most a lot of twin six shooters don't. Yeah. So is that it for the games we played? That's it for the games we played. Ooh, we made Ooh, it. We did it. We did a thing. Uh, do we need to? Do you need a break before we proceed? Uh, no, I'm okay on water. Okay. So, uh, shall we get into? Our first topic, which, oh boy. <laughs> Indeed, we shall. So, today's first news topic the Shadow of War charity DLC. So, before we really start, we need to obviously frame this. Yeah. Uh, the lead, was he the lead designer or lead developer? I think he was the lead designer. That That's the thing, is that all the articles really don't talk about uh, him as a person, it's more of focusing on the DLC itself. Yeah, so uh, they... he was uh, the executive producer. Okay, or he so... was an executive producer at Monolith Productions, which is the developer behind uh, the uh, a sequel to Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War. Uh, and yeah, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, so um, executive producer Michael Forgy uh, was diagnosed with cancer about a year ago, and unfortunately, um, he passed on uh, a week or two ago. No, he died in uh, 2016. Did he die in 2016? The thing that... Maybe I just misread it. I thought that they announced that he died and that they were putting this together. Yeah. Uh, or that they put it together uh, really quickly to commemorate his death. No, he uh, died in 2016. Okay. I must have... Because the where I got that from was from Total Biscuit's YouTube video. So maybe I just misunderstood the way he said it. Regardless, he... <laughs> but hey, look at it this way: we're still better than a lot of games journalism out there. Which that's is true, kind of sad. But yeah, 2016. Okay, so he got cancer and he passed on in 2016, and they've been putting together this DLC for him, which is to commemorate his passing and and make him, you know, sort of an immortal character in the last game that he worked on, which is pretty cool. There have been lots of games that have done things like that over the years. Got no problem with that. Um. Then, Warner Brothers said that they were going to release it as day one DLC, which cost $5. And that they were going to be donating, uh, was it $3.50? It's, it's of, $3.50 of the $5 price tag. Yes, to his family. Which, okay, sure, that's fine. Little galling. A little, little bit, but not terrible. You know, like, they're donating the majority of it to, to his family, the rest of it probably will cover the development costs. They might make a little money. Well, Whatever. Well, They're a company. Well, from, what I, from, from what I understood, it's <laughs> mostly to cover the Steam cut, which, honestly, 
Uh, maybe I'm already getting to showing my hand a little bit. They should have talked to Valve and see if they would also donate their cut. Yeah, and honestly, I bet Valve would have. But I have a feel. Well, I have a feeling that there's a lot of kind of just half assery behind a lot of this. Right. But so so that's where we are. They're donating three fifty of every purchase to the family. That's fine. But then, except they're not. If you're in uh, certain states, you. If you're in Alabama, Hawaii, Illinois, Massachusetts, Mississippi, or South Carolina, I think I have those abbreviations correct. Or if you're in uh, the District of Columbia, um, it, they pocket everything. And if you're anywhere else in the world, they pocket everything. And the thing is, they aren't exactly clear on this. They have the uh, microscopic fine print on the trailer, which is likely, you know, just covering their bases by law. And they also have it in the YouTube description, but nobody reads the fucking descriptions. And uh, they have it on the store page. But, yo, once again... If you're on that store page, you likely already know what it is, right? Also, isn't the wording on the store page no, ambiguous? Well, well, I was about to get to that. And they don't mention the rest of the world. They they say that... Th- this is the uh, text from the trailer, and I'm pretty sure it's just copy-pasted on the store page. WB Games will uh, donate to the Foley family $3.50 from every purchase of Frogroth uh, the Orc Slayer made from any one of the 50 states or uh, District of Columbia. Oh, sorry. They did cover District of Columbia. Uh, but excluding purchases made from Alabama, Hawaii, Illinois, Massachusetts, Mississippi, and South Carolina through December 31st, 2019, void where prohibited by law, your law, your purchase is not tax deductible. Which, that last part's fine. Yeah. Purchase is not being tax deductible. Is, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty fine. Bulk, that's pretty bulk standard. Yeah, and honestly, if it was just the states, like, maybe there's weird tax law. I don't know the tax law of all those states. Maybe there is, and that would still be a little bit frustrating. Like, why don't they just, you know, comp it themselves or whatever, but fine. But just, that's so... A game like this is going to sell a kajillion copies worldwide. So even though the sum of money that they are giving might turn out to be substantial i have no idea i'm sure that at some point numbers will be released and and they'll brag about how much oh, money I, I know steam spy is going to be uh, all over this but still it's like a game like this is going to sell millions of copies around the world there's so much of this money that they're pocketing i mean this is very clearly a, a pr stunt that a lot of people they didn't like they didn't fool and yeah. they're now in the middle of, of a shitstorm because there's a lot of folks out there that are like, what the fuck, Warner Brothers? Yeah, it takes a certain level of incompetence to fuck up a charity act this much. Yeah. I mean, it's the only way I could think of to fuck it up even further is to, uh, to poke Jared, pledge a billion dollars, and backpedal on it. Yeah. <laughs> that would make me really sad i mean i first of all there's so many better ways they could have done this they could have just said uh, 
the easiest way to, uh, well, this is, uh, going off of what Total Biscuit said, which Total Biscuit actually has a law degree. Granted, it's in the UK, but, you know, it, it, he does at least know his shit a little bit more than two random yahoos on a podcast. At least I would assume. Unless you have a law degree somewhere that I don't know about. Well, no, I do not. Uh, they could have easily fixed this by just saying, for every purchase, we would give them a matching donation. Yep. There. Or they could say, for every purchase of the game, we'll give them a dollar. I mean, people... And, uh, uh, well, the fact that they're selling this as DLC, it feels scummy to begin with. Yeah. And it feels just so uh, wrong. It, it's This is a rare combination of a story that makes me just disgusted, saddened, and fucking enraged beyond dear comprehension. Yeah. I I don't know if I've ever used this word before on the podcast or in any, like, in our conversation at all, but this genuinely feels immoral. Like, well, uh, the, the term I thought of, particularly once it was uh, came to light, that they wouldn't be giving a single cent of outside the U.S. or, or you know, those uh, states was blood money. That's interesting. I mean, I mean, it's maybe it's just the fact that you know I'm uh, familiar with the Hitman series and <laughs> that kind of uh, uh, take that uh, you know, uh, phrase with me. But it, it just felt so scummy, so disgusting. Yeah. A lot of people, too, have been making a comparison to that dragon cancer. Like, all those people sold their game. And uh, at face value, sure, but that was a family who developed their own game to commemorate the death of their son and then sold that as a way to help, you know, raise money for their family. This is a corporation using the death of one of its employees to make money. And yeah, yeah so, sure, they're giving yeah. some of the money to the family, but... Yeah, it's just a difference of scope, really. It's, yeah. It, if, it, if it was uh, his family making a DLC, that would be interesting and something Bethesda would probably do, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Yeah, and then sell it to you for credits or whatever. Yeah. Oh, it's just... What the hell is going on with the AAA gaming industry? Yeah, this is a, a moment that genuinely made me feel a little ashamed of of the industry. Like, I get pissed off at a lot of things that it does. You know, when we, we've talked at length about many things that uh, bother us about gaming and we don't like where it's going. But this kind of move, exploiting a person's death, just is shameful. It makes me feel ashamed of the industry. And it, I mean, it it just downright sucks. It it's shitty and it's terrible, and to me, it's shameful. But I don't know. I just I I don't know how to fix it. I don't know if it can be fixed, just because of like the disparity of power between the the gamers, we as gamers, and this corporation. But it just sucks, and well, sometimes you have to get your feelings out and say fuck Warner Brothers. Well, the thing is, uh, well, Warner Brothers has been behind some shady shit to begin with. Uh, not just this, but 
Hell, Shadow of Mordor as a series just has you know, so many controversies around it. Not even just talking about Shadow of War, but the pre-release stuff for Shadow of Mordor. How yeah. they uh, tied down embargoed people, unless they uh, yeah, were on the take. Granted, it eventually came out that you know, it wasn't that big a deal, that the game was uh, pretty good. But it just came off as trying to hide a, a potentially problem, problematic game. And, oh. And that's not even getting into the loot boxes, getting in, well, well Jim Sterling's been going off about the Tatinos thing, which, uh, that's more tied into just the loot boxes in general, which is just, oh. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole Totinos thing, like, games have done that for a while now, and I kind of think it's silly, but, I mean, it's brand deals and stuff. Yeah, it's silly, but the thing is that uh, gaming is in this weird kind of adolescence where there's not a lot of companies that really want to get in bed with major uh, game franchises right now, it, outside of, you know, Doritos, Mountain Dew, <laughs> which, uh, and it kind of has this almost jokey quality about it. I mean, hell, it, all the Despicable Me stuff that was going on for a while, uh, that wasn't really that much of a joke. It was more of just a, oh, that's a thing, for the most part. A- unless you're a person that you know, goes absolutely berserk if they see a minion for some reason. I mean, it's not like they're Jar Jar Binks, right? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like the minions. In small doses. Yeah, in small doses. Not when my kid wants to watch uh, the Minions movie eight times in a day. That, that, that's that's when you just give them the vodka and yell at them go to sleep. That's when I take the vodka and just go to sleep. <laughs> oh. But getting back to this, it, I, I think it all, uh, really came out where they were selling the DLC. If this was, a, you know, just it's in the game, and we're giving a, a small percentage of the proceeds. I mean, you know, just a very small percentage to the family. Yeah, you know, nobody would have batted an eye. Or if they were like, "Hey, we're just going to sell this for ninety nine cents." Um, Maybe it's also you know the price. You know, it's a five dollar DLC. That's pretty substantial. You know. Yeah, but, uh, you know, if they're like, hey, we're just going to sell it for a dollar, and every sale of this, we give the proceeds to the family. And then Warner Brothers uh, starts uh, talking about, uh, Warner Brothers insists that it won't profit from the Shadow of War uh, DLC, or the the charity DLC. And uh, it just comes off as really trying to cover their own asses at this point, and not being sincere. And maybe that's part of the problem, is that a pure lack of sincerity on this as a whole. Uh, uh, what do you think? Do you think it's just uh, maybe just the tone of everything? I don't know. I don't get how they're saying they won't make a profit off of it. First of all, that statement. Um, we we talked a little bit beforehand, and I was like, does that mean that they're like intending to break even with all of the sale of this DLC? Like... Because that's different than saying we won't turn a profit. Like, yeah, there's a lack of clarity about all of this. Uh, well, the uh, the quote in the Eurogamer article, which will also be in the show notes, 
neither Warner Brothers Interactive nor Monolith Productions will profit from any sales of the Furukov Oryx Slayer DLC, regardless of the territory in which that DLC is sold. That's the entire statement. Now, granted, they where the fuck the money goes? Who knows? They say an absolute really just PR statement and that's it and everyone's jumping on it and there's it requires a level of trust this goes back to my um, stance with Bethesda you know, it requires a level of trust which I do not have in Warner Brothers yeah that what that could mean I don't believe this is what it means but what it could mean is that they're intending to donate all the rest of the proceeds to cancer research centers or other cancer then they should say charities that. but they should say that and the reason that I don't think that that's the case is because that would be like, you know, that would be a, like a massively positive PR move. Like, oh, no, no, we're sorry. We messed up our messaging the first time. Well, what we mean is we're giving this much to the family from here and all the rest of it's going to cancer research. And everyone would be like, yay, Warner Brothers. But the fact that they haven't said that means that that's probably not where it's going. Yeah, and I think they're they're trying to quietly sweep this under the rug. I mean, granted, yeah, this is pure speculation at this point because we have their PR statement. We have the trailer. And that's it. And honestly, uh, was it Total Biscuit that uh, broke the story? Because everyone else was really just regurgitating the uh, uh, the press release, and that was it. Until you know, some of the YouTubers were starting to say, "Wait a minute," and started hitting their Twitter account. When did TV's video come out? Uh, it came out pretty much the day of, or the day after this uh, DLC was announced. Which was uh, for last week, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go into my YouTube subscriptions to try to find this because, yeah, it it was uh, several days ago now. Yeah, Jim Sterling's video Monday was about this, um, and I think he even said that he put this together really quickly over the weekend. So that would have been like probably end of last week. Let's see, uh, four days ago for Total Biscuit. Okay, so that would have been. Friday, yeah. So the, the the announcement was probably made, I guess, Thursday, and then they would have had until now to get that out. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> where the hell is the gaming industry going? I mean, honestly, this is just bullshit. Quite simply, it's bullshit. You know, I suspect this sort of thing goes on in other entertainment mediums. And it's just we're really not in tune with it. Industry at large. And yeah, we're just not in tune with it. Or the interactive nature of video games makes it a lot easier to spot in this industry. Might be a combination of both. Or I, I think it comes down to kind of the adolescence of the industry once again. And they're not apt at hiding their bullshit. Yeah, or they are, and the things that get through, like, what doesn't get through. Although that's yeah. probably the, the cynic in me. I'm rubbing off on you. You're Indeed. slowly becoming me. <laughs> Excellent. Join me. And together we'll bitch about the industry. <laughs> bitch on the internet. <laughs> I'm there. I'm there, buddy. Yeah, this is just shitty. And the thing is, Warner Brothers had two chances to uh, to do this right. They had their initial chance, their trailer, 
And if they had a clear, uh, well, actually, now that I think about it, they had three chances. No, four, not three. Uh, they had their initial trailer. Then uh, people asked for clarification on Twitter, and they said, you know, outside the U.S., uh, it doesn't go to the charity. Then they had uh, the Eurogamer uh, <laughs> uh, article, which, oh, it's so easy to be a cynic about all this. And uh, and just uh, hearing Total Biscuit go off about this in his twit longer is glorious. <laughs> Especially when he uh, goes off on Eurogamer for taking what he, oh, and I'm going to quote, did it take Eurogamer three goddamn days to update their article on this subject? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I think the gaming industry uh, this is going to probably sound uh, a little bit off but it needs to grow up in its practices uh, and that includes game gaming gaming journalism because we, we watched some stuff before we uh, got started that made Jared uh, cringe <laughs> yeah that's pretty bad. Although that was kind of funny. This is just terrible. Um, I don't know if I have anything else that I want to say. I pretty much summed up everything, saying that this is just well, this is uh, shameful. Well, this has moved Shadow of War from uh, you know, any chance of me buying it outside of random bundle. I, I won't uh, pledge that I won't buy it because you know, random bundle it may show up and I'll uh, end up with it there. But that'll be the only way I'll get this fucking game now. But the problem is that we are not the average gamers. <laughs> and the average gamer will take a look at the Steam store page, see, oh, well, this is going to charity, and, you know, just click through. Yeah. I, uh... And it I doubt me. I'll, I doubt I'll buy this either. I mean, I probably wasn't going to buy it anyways before. I liked the first game, but... I haven't had a chance to play it yet. I picked it up uh, on the cheap, and seeing all the shit that's happened since then, uh, especially with the sequel, has made me actually ashamed that I have this in my library. Yeah. I, I had the first one for Xbox. I got it, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I guess. Um, and, I mean, I played through it, and I enjoyed it, but I, it wasn't, like, something I thought was, like, great or amazing you know uh so i probably was gonna buy it anyways like all the microtransaction bullshit and the multiplayer unnecessary multiplayer and all that like i just wasn't interested at that point <sighs> shall we bring out the pinata yeah yeah so, oh sure. uh, what uh, so fallout 4 creation club new shit has come to light it auto-downloaded uh, its files, which is hilarious and just reeks of competence there. But it also broke free mods. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, Bethesda, you festering pile of shit. Yep. So, do you want to take the lead on this one? <laughs> I'm sure you have many things. Uh, well... I don't really have a horse in this race because I don't own the proper version of Skyrim and uh, I've uh, kind of gotten turned off by uh, Fallout 4 just with all this going on. But 
the main thing, uh, the main takeaway from this article is just how ham-fisted and how barely tied together the Creation Club uh, appears to be on its launch, which <laughs> is it, it's worse than what it even looked like on the start, which is amazing. Yeah. It uh, auto-downloaded all the files for all the DLC in this mod. Something in the order of a couple gigs. Now, it just downloaded the BA2 files. And in order to enable these mods, you have to have a second file. But the thing is, this, what it downloaded was essentially the meat of the file, of the mod. All you have to do is create an ESP file, which for anyone that's competent with the creation, well, the creation tools is exceptionally easy or you know i'm sure that there's places to get all these esp files online very easily yeah and there you go you have the entire creation club for free (laughs) oh i bet the people that bought stuff on the creation club really feel good about this but wait there's more it also made it so that if you have some of these mods installed it was making all the mods load in alphabetical order. Now, you may be thinking, why is that such a big deal? Well, for modded games like this, uh, this is kind of the industry standard, is that you have a loading order. And mods further down the uh, loading order are loaded last. And this is how you get around some potential conflicts. And also... Games require a certain loading order, or I should say the save games require a certain loading order, or um, things kind of break. So you can imagine, you know, changing the loading order on a game or a save file that you have, you know, a few days on, a few days as in 48 hours on, plus, and it corrupts that save file. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to be pretty upset. And most people don't back up their save files. I mean, even I don't back up very many save files. I do well, a few. Honestly, uh, well, usually what happens for me is I'll uh, do new saves. So I'll have, you know, 20 or 30 save files that I could go back, you know. But that's, you know, a bit different. And the other thing is also... This also impacts the Fallout 4 script extender because the Creation Club updated the game version. And if the Creation Club constantly is changing the game version, this could make the script extender non-existent because they just aren't able to keep up. Which also has some potential problems because the script extender is required for a lot of the bigger mods, if it's anything like the other... uh, yeah, script extenders. Granted, I am uh, basing this off my previous knowledge of the of the Elder Scrolls series. Oh, kind of had a brain fart there, but yeah, it's the same basic idea. Oh, and then <laughs> no, we're not done yet. <laughs> uh, there's rumors floating around, and granted, these should be treated as rumors that the Creation Club. The modders um, are getting the salary uh, from pre-release and no revenue sharing. 
Which, didn't they say revenue sharing was going to be one of the big things for the Creation Club? Pretty sure I remember that. As, pre- uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure trailer. I specifically remember them saying revenue sharing. Like, I think they even used the phrase revenue sharing. Kind of want to uh, go hunt down that E3 trailer now. Hang on. Uh, you chatter away for a bit. Yeah, so I'm just... I actually, like, when I saw you tweet about this last week, whenever it was, because I think this was, like, the day after we recorded. Yeah, yeah this came out Wednesday, and we record Tuesday night. Uh, I said that I was going to just uninstall Fallout 4, because all of my saves were going to be broken. Um, yeah, I hate to be And so the, I did. I just I hate to be the joy kill on this, but it's one of those things that... Oh, okay, let's see. Creation Club. Okay, here's the trailer... I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of listening to this in the background. Yeah, and trying not to retch. I mean the the Fallout games and and the the Elder Scrolls games are, in my opinion, they're fun without mods. But the the way that I play them is as sort of like a, a base for the mods because the mods make the games so much better. One, they fix all the problems that. Mm-hmm. Or at least most of the problems that Bethesda games have. And two, like, sure, I could just wander around the wasteland. Or I could do it in, like, a pink bunny suit with a cowboy hat. Because why the fuck not? That's what, you know, Fallout is. And just having all of that be broken and... It's just, I don't want to play it anymore. I don't want to play an unmodded version of this game. Yeah, what's kind of hilarious is I had to stifle my laughter because they mentioned, yeah, it's uh, compatible with your save games. <laughs> yep, but it's not. Thankfully, I, I have never had any load order issues. Um, oh, it really depends on what you're loading up. Yeah, um, and plus most of the mod, um, like the Nexus mod launcher does that. Like It automatically tries to figure out the load order that works. And even the like the built-in mod stuff that uh, Bethesda's put into their games now, it automatically tries to figure out what the best load order is. So you rarely have any problems unless you're using bunches and bunches of mods. But I mean, breaking that load order, like you said, stuff's stuff's got to load properly to avoid conflicts, or you know, like one mod requires another mod to work, and you know, you load the first mod or the, the the dependent mod first and then it's like well i don't know what to do with this crash hard crash okay i'm not hearing any uh revenue sharing in this or at least in the trailer now granted they may have talked about well they didn't even talk about this in their e3 uh, did they what the creation club yeah yeah it was just the trailer and then they kind of moved on yeah, I think it was in the after stuff where they had all the details. I could have swore, though, that revenue sharing was a part of it. Yeah, they actually don't say creation uh, or revenue sharing in this trailer. <sighs> but this also makes sense on the fact that they don't show you know, who the modder is on the mods. Because, you know, if they own the mod and they don't have to share, you know, why should why give the shout-out now? It, it, it makes sense, something I noticed uh, last week. <laughs> I'm, I'm browsing through a couple articles looking for revenue-sharing stuff. There was the... 
Hang on. Ah, there's so many. Yeah, a lot of what I'm seeing on uh, revenue sharing is based around the paid mods from 2015. So maybe this is was a mass assumption based on what they announced beforehand. And if so, that makes it even scummier. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, in the uh, video in the uh, One Angry Gamer uh, site, uh, they, or article, I should say, he was talking about how there's rumors about the payout being less than a thousand bucks, which, if this is true, there's no way in hell you're going to see any really beady mods on this. It's all going to be very, very small, just reskins. And especially since they all have to play nice together, there's no reason to, or no, I shouldn't say no reason, there's no way to really tie in a larger mod. Yeah, I found a YouTube, the YouTube video I listened to, which is where I remember saying them saying revenue sharing, but it's quite long, uh, at least for this. So maybe I'll listen to it later, and if it does, okay, how about I do this? I'll make an editing note. I'll go watch this video later. If it, it does, in fact, say revenue sharing, you'll hear me say yes or no, it does, and then I'll link, if it does, will be in the show notes so that people can go look for it. Revenue sharing was not promised, uh, but they did have the milestone payout system, which we're not sure if that's still a thing. Um, refer recording this after like four hours of sleep leaves me a little fuzzy on exactly what we said. But to answer the question of revenue sharing, no, that was not promised. Although it was hinted at and speculated, there's now a link in the description that starts the video off that I mentioned in the episode at the point where uh, he starts talking about that. So, enjoy. Poor Bethesda. Fallen from grace in my eyes. Like, a year ago, if you had asked me, like, hey, what do you think is one of the best companies in gaming? I would have said, I would have put Bethesda in, like, the top three. Definitely the top five, maybe even the top three. But now... Not in that top, not in those top spots. I mean, they're still better than some companies. I mean, Bethesda, in my opinion, is not as bad as EA or Ubisoft, but they're yeah, but they code not, like them. Yeah, they do code like them, particularly <laughs> Ubisoft. <laughs> Ubisoft and Bethesda, maybe they share developers. But I mean, you know, they're they're getting up there. Just makes me wonder. What were they thinking to launch it in this state? It, was there some sort of internal deadline that they had to make to release on uh, the date that they did? Because that's the only way that this makes sense. Yeah, but even then, not really. I mean, either, this is completely of their own doing. I mean, they had the or, power. Or they thought it wasn't going to be that big a deal, particularly on PC, which has a lot more drive space usually I, I can you imagine being a console player and having a couple gigs downloaded to a, usually a fairly limited hard drive yeah i mean that would be terrible i mean my xbox one's internal hard drive is uh 500 gigabytes but the way that it downloads files it makes copies of them so everything is almost twice its size it compresses it some but so you're looking at 
you know, two gigs of a download plus another 1.5 gigs of uh, this backup or the second. I don't know how or why it does it, but I mean, yeah, yeah, that could be the last little bit to fill up someone's hard drive or they'd not be able to completely download because their hard drive is already full. Or have them go over a data cap. Yeah. Yeah, because all that stuff downloads in the background unless you have it turned off. Yeah, and uh, also, at least the way they initially set it up, granted, they pledged that they're going to fix it probably because they realized, oh shit, we're giving away all our paid content. Is the way that they had this set up is paid on disk DLC. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Uh, Bethesda, you incompetent fuck up. Yeah. More and more in, in the industry, I'm starting to like indie devs or the, the smaller studios, like that double A range that we talk about sometimes. Yeah. Like more and more, I'm, I'm just going full on with those guys. The games might. No wonder you were excited to see the parades. Yeah. Your, uh, your game, you know, the games more often than not are not as flashy, but I don't give a shit about that. I want games that work well, that support mods, that aren't buggy as hell, and that don't try and steal every last single cent out of my pocket. <laughs> and I mean, there's a few AAA games that still do. I mean, the XCOM series, that's one of the reasons that I love them so much. No microtransactions at all, at least yet and i hate to have that attitude but <laughs> i assume they're going to keep making these games because i mean xcom pretty much has this niche in the market cornered and the games are great and i mean they yeah, support a- mods from day one they release really meaty dlc packs i mean the the war of the chosen is more of an expansion as opposed to dlc yeah there's a few xcom likes out there but they're not as well done as proper xcom uh, the first XCOM did have a couple of cosmetic DLCs, but you know it wasn't too bad, and it, they were also dirt cheap. Yeah, and I think that also is you know uh, one of the things is that okay, cosmetic DLC fine, but you know five dollars for a hat. What is this Team Fortress Two? <laughs> well, you if you want to see something hilarious or a little saddening. Uh, a matter of fact, uh, a little social experiment for you, Jared. Go to your Steam uh, uh, client. Okay. Uh, hover over community and go to market. Uh, the front page of the market. Okay. And we'll see if it actually loads up. Scroll down and look at some of the stuff here. Uh, particularly the PUBGA stuff. Lots of crates. Well, I was t- Well, it's not on here now, but uh, the uh, yesterday or the day before, there was a uh, a pleated skirt for uh, a couple hundred dollars. Oh, I saw that. I actually did see that. Let's see. Uh, I mean, granted, yeah, this is a uh, player, uh, well, player and its battlegrounds, but also, yeah, player dictated cosmetic prices, and they're absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, so so uh, it's one of those things that, uh, which we also said so at the same time. <laughs> Isn't that cute? Yeah, uh, yeah. But it makes me wonder if developers are looking at these prices and are judging their uh, cosmetic DLC prices off of the fact that there's camo hot pants on here that's ninety three dollars. 
Hell, you could buy real camo hot pants for a fraction of that. <laughs> but a developer may look at this and see, okay, well, people are paying this for this game, and this piece of DLC, or this piece of cosmetic stuff, and they may be basing the price off this, which makes me really scared for prices coming up. <laughs> Hell, I yeah. remember uh, the golden frying pan in Team Fortress 2 going for thousands of dollars when it originally uh, released. Really? Yeah. Wow. Go, go look up, uh, well, it's Australian uh, frying pan, but golden frying pan TF2, I imagine we'll also get it. All right. Let's see, TF2 price. Let's see, what's the modern price? Oh, uh, the original price was over 5000 it's too much. Too much, guys. I wonder if you could make a real golden frying pan for less. Don't know. Good question. Granted, it's probably not that great of a frying pan, because gold is a very good conductor of heat, so, you know, you will burn yourself. Or melt it. Doesn't gold have a low melting point? Yeah, but it's not that low. Oh, okay. I don't think. It's not gallium. Doesn't gallium melt at, like, 80 degrees or something like that? Yes, it uh, melts in your hand. And your mouth. Melts in your mouth, not in your hand. Uh, looking at the DLC for XCOM 2, like, I was going to talk about this a couple minutes ago when we were talking about prices. Yeah, all of its DLC is really cheap. Um, the two major packs of DLC are 10 bucks. That's Shin's Last Gift and Alien Hunters, like the two big story additions. Um, okay, then- okay. If you're melting your golden frying pan... Uh, you're, you need to turn down the fucking heat. I knew it was, uh, yo, it wasn't, uh, yo, low, but, uh, right under 2000 degrees Fahrenheit or 1000 degrees centigrade. There you go. Uh, and then the, the smaller, like, cosmetic only packs are five bucks, but I mean, the cosmetic packs in XCOM add a lot of stuff. The Anarchy's Children pack adds, like, new, tons of new everything armor, um, like, accessories. It adds, like, tattoos. Or is that the resistance pack? One well, of the men's tattoos a... and face paints and... Oh, sorry, I was about to say, if you do have a lead uh, frying pan, yo, that's only 600 degrees, but if you have a lead frying pan, you have other problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, now I want to go make some bacon. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so... I'm definitely, definitely much more in the indie and the double A camp for the most part. There's a few triple A's. Uh, I mean, I think XCOM is a triple A. It's published by 2K, so they're they're up. Yeah, there, but they're but, on the but they're on the lower end of the triple A scale. Yeah, they're a niche triple A game as opposed to Call of Duty or whatever. So, yep, I'm definitely definitely swinging that way nowadays. Well, we already knew you would. Touche. <laughs> oh, this has been a very depressing uh, episode so far. It has, it has. But wasn't that our other depressing topic? And now we're gonna go talk about some a, a fun thing. Yeah, I think so. So yep. uh, nude uh, 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 yeah. mods. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the uh, title of this: Final Fantasy 15 nude mods could affect the future mod support for Final Fantasy games. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Was it last week or two weeks ago? The one of the developers for Final Fantasy Fifteen is like, "We'll leave it up to our fans' better moral judgment as to whether or not they want to put nude mods in the game." 
And yeah. it's like, dude, dude mods are going in that game. <laughs> There's lots of cute boys and girls in Final Fantasy 15. Nude yeah, mods are there. It's going to be a dude road trip. That sounds like fun. Yeah, and I think we just sold Jared this game. <laughs> I mean, I was already sold on Final Fantasy 15. I was probably going to buy it this year. It'll it'll have a, a little price drop probably around Christmas time. I'll pick it up. Also, depending on uh, how uh, the game is structured, usually the developers will create a nude skin to be able to properly animate clothing. You know, have well, it wouldn't be photorealistic, but you know, have a rough approximation of nipples and other fun bits uh, to be able to properly clothe the uh, characters. So, yeah, this is kind of just rolling back to what the developers originally create. But the thing is that sometimes these skins are left in the game. And that's where some of the moral outrage comes out sometimes, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Matter of fact, I believe if memory serves, the one I remember the best is actually, let's go back to the Bethesda. Uh, The Elder Scrolls Oblivion had a nude female chest texture that could be applied. If yeah. memory serves correctly. And there was a moral outcry about it, and it was actually pulled off the shelves for a time. And that's not even getting into some of the more risque stuff like hot coffee. <laughs> God, hot coffee. That still <laughs> makes me laugh. Yeah, it's one of those things that it, it's a stupid thing, but it just created such a hysteria for. Well, I mean, let's call it what it is. It was clothed dry humping. For Pretty the best much. part. Pretty much. But yeah. This is just one of those small little fun topics that, yeah, there, there's no way that the moral, the moral judgment. But let's just put it this way. If there's not nude mods within a week of this game, I'll be surprised. Yeah. I'm, and, I'm, and I'm giving week as, you know, just kind of a broad, you know, uh, generous deadline. I would say within the weekend. I would say that new mods already exist for it. Someone's already made them, and they're just not like publicly available yet. Yeah, they just uh, they were able to export some of the texture files from the PlayStation version. Yep. Or PlayStation or uh, yeah, the console version, and uh, just sitting there waiting, yep. probably masturbating the entire time. I bet they already. Yeah. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm sure. I heard you earlier. Exist. Yeah, <laughs> get some more hand I'm sanitizer. Sure, I'm make sure you. Noises. I'm sure you claim it's hand sanitizer, but I know where it's coming from. Got it out there fast. <laughs> Got to go fast. Um, yeah, the new mods exist for this game already, or if by some miracle they don't, they will within a week. I don't know why they're like. I I wonder if it's like a Japanese thing. Like, uh, well, uh, they are know, very... though, that naughty bits are censored in Japan. I mean, uh, it's just, it's not even uh, the fact that they're censored post. Uh, they're, they're naturally censored these days. You know, it's genetics. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I could just pull my, it, you know, it's for everyone. If I go to Japan, if I take my pants off, my dick's going to be all fuzzy. My dick and my butthole. The rest of it's fine. Like, you can see boobs in Japan. But not. Well, uh, here's the thing, is that... It's our fault. Because we nuked them? No, no, no. I'm actually not making a nuke joke. Uh, you know, the radiation made them funny. Uh, if, I've heard a lot of people talk about this, particularly on the anime podcasts, is that it's actually in their 
uh, constitution that the U.S. kind of forced on them about uh, morals. And it got twisted to eventually cover porn, uh, pornography. So that's interesting. I didn't know that. If if I'm rec- if I'm remembering from my anime podcast uh, correctly, and that they're correct. I mean, once again, yeah, trust but verify here. But yeah, it, it would make a lot of sense, especially with how Puritan the U.S. Uh, especially was in the 40s and 50s when this would have happened. And if you look at some of Japanese uh, artwork before, you know, uh, the, uh, well, uh, the Empire fell, essentially, uh, it was a lot more risque. You know, they were a lot more comfortable in their sexuality. I would say the Japanese artwork is still probably pretty risque. Just, I mean, Japan is the country of weird things. Oh, yep, there's Japanese art. That's porn. (laughs) <laughs> that's definitely definitely porn from I don't know I would assume the 1200s well the uh, thing is that they don't uh, use a number system usually they use uh, the era system and the thing is if you don't know the particular eras you, know, you have to do some sort of translation traditional Japanese artwork <laughs> oh boy! Now I'm sending Jared down another rabbit hole. That's that's a penis. That's <laughs> definitely a penis. And suddenly you're interested in Japanese artwork. It's so strange. That's like a Cthulhu monster. That's a lady taking a bath in a river. Although that looks like anime. That's got to be anime. Just like because that's a schoolgirl outfit. Those didn't exist. A, hun- a thousand years ago. No, it's a, it's a traditional Japanese dress, don't you know? A traditional Japanese <laughs> schoolgirl outfit. <laughs> oh. That's just a man's ass. There's nothing in the... <laughs> what? Oh, and Jared I... suddenly really got interested in Japanese uh, art. <laughs> uh, there's some more porn. Man, this is like comparable to some like ancient roman stuff that i've seen this is great (laughs) oh this is this is amazing this is important i have to let me get a link for this oh no this is hilarious i'm not sure i'm i'm scared now no it's it's funny Uh, but i can't say what it is otherwise it'll spoil it there you go well, the thing is, I see it in the sky. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> the the great cookie monster wave. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> not not everything has to be porn, guys. Only most. Only only most of it. But yeah, it's starting to. It's the U.S.'s fault. At least if my memory serves correctly. I mean, that seems plausible. We did enforce some quite a few restrictions on them after after World War Two. Well, technically, Japanese uh, the Japanese army is supposed to be a defensive force. Yeah, uh, but uh, they try to tw- uh, twist. Is probably not the proper term, but some politicians over there try to twist the meaning of a defensive force to be more and more offensive capable. Granted, with how North Korea is acting, can't really blame them. No. Or the U.S. antagonizing Korea. But that's another matter that we won't get into. 
Yeah, we'll just poke Jared after the fact. And, and get him on a Twitter tantrum. Yeah. But the thing is that uh, one of us having a Twitter tantrum is uh, uh, completely different because we're not the leader of the free world. Angela Merkel doesn't have tantrums on Twitter. <laughs> or is it Angela because she's German? Whatever. Miss Merkel. Okie dokie. Let's move it on to the next topic. I need to stop looking at Japanese artwork. Right now. Uh, or, next... or at least beat your mic for a few minutes. <laughs> our uh, our next topic is Destiny 2's microtransactions include equipment modifications. And normally this sort of thing is not much more than a footnote. But the way that they implemented it seemed at least mildly interesting to me. And I don't know if there's discussion to be had there. But I'm going to comment on it because, I mean, it's my show. So I could do that. Oh, um, I'm glad it's uh, just yours. <laughs> Oh, it's it's our show. It's fifty percent my show. Fifty one percent. Anyways, uh, so the way that they're doing that is that uh, normally games like this like put microtransactions at the beginning and let you skip to the end, but Destiny 2's microtransactions don't open up until after you've hit max level and got the end game content. Um, and basically, they're replacing one of the old currencies from Destiny One, which allows you to to modify weapons. Um, modify their stats and stuff, and these unlock the weapon modifications. So the the thing that I thought was interesting was that instead of it being a progression based thing, at least in the early game, it's you get to the end game. It's like, do you want to freely get these weapon? Well, freely in quotes because uh, you're paying money for it, but get these weapon upgrades faster for your end game weapons. Yeah, this so. is more of a pay to skip than a uh, pay to win, which. Uh, from my understanding, I've never played Destiny 1 and honestly have very little interest in Destiny 2. Right, so here's how this works. It's like it's an MMO transaction, and in, in Destiny 1, they were called Motes of Light, and you collected them from doing the like weekly challenges and the raids and everything like that, and once a week, this special like merchant guy showed up in the the hub world, and you could pay him the that currency to unlock special things like really high-end weapons or weapon modifications or armors or... So like, he's Balakatir from uh, uh, from Warframe. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. But, um, and you can still earn this currency. I think it's just called like Silver now or yeah. Silver Light or something like that. And they're saying that you can still earn the currency at the end of the game in the exact same way that you did before and turn them in, or you can spend money on the currency. Yeah, it looks like uh, you're paying for silver and you get bright engrams. Yeah. Which, I'm uh, basically around Barakatir. It's one of those things that it really, really depends on how they affect the ground, because this will affect the ground. Yeah. There's there's no way it doesn't have some sort of tweaking factor, and I know that basing it off what I know from Warframe, it is a very long and tedious grind of trying to essentially maximize your income because there's a very limited amount of stuff that is actually worthwhile to get the currency for him. And it, like I said, it really depends on how this is balanced. Yeah. In Destiny uh, 1... I, I'm, I'm still take pause at 
just from the fact that it's a microtransaction and a AAA game. Uh, especially, you know, my lack of trust of developers these days, or publishers, I guess I should really say. Yeah. Um, I, I will say in Destiny 1 that if you did all of the events for the week, they had, like, a big weekly event, uh, and then daily challenges and things like that, and if you did everything from the week, you would have enough currency to buy any one item in the store, and if you w- needed a couple of the smaller items that were, like, crafting material packs or, uh, like, cosmetic stuff that you wanted, you could buy usually two, maybe three of those if you did everything from the week. So, I mean, take that as you will. It never felt very grindy to me, but again, this was a time in my life when I played Destiny 1 that I had a lot more free time to play games. And that was also the only game I played. I think I played Destiny 1 for, like, 200 hours. So... Yeah, and that's uh, where it really comes down to is that yeah, you have kind of a skewed view of Destiny 1 because he had a lot of free time with it. Yeah, I know. I, I wouldn't want to do that today. And I'm, I am was like all gung-ho for Destiny 2, but the more I learn about it, the more I'm going, I don't know if I want to get this game. At least not right now. Maybe in a couple of years when they have like Well, the a- thing is also, you know, uh, right now everything is first impressions. There's not enough time to really go through everything because this is essentially MMO. Yeah. And you really, uh, the first impressions of MMO is important, but what really depends on everything is how the end game is set up, how that content is. And I I remember (laughs) this is going to go way, 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 way back. Uh, EverQuest, one of the expansions, the end game actually wasn't even available at launch. All the stuff was broken on purpose to give them more time to uh, be able to put it out. And the thing is, the head raid groups uh, were you know, trying to figure out this broken content to access a zone that didn't technically exist. And this was before you know the idea of uh, how World of Warcraft handled things and had content upgrades during the expansion. To add in new content. So, yo, know, it's one of those things that how is everything structured? Is everything functioning? Yeah. Well, I, I bought into Destiny 2 day one. Uh, Destiny was probably the last game that I bought at launch. I mean, that would have been several years ago, but. Well, no, I guess I did buy No Man's Sky at launch. But before that, Destiny was the last <laughs> game that I bought at launch. And I mean, I, I played that game for weeks, uh, and I checked back in with the first couple of content expansions as well, because I bought the, whatever it was called, I don't know, one of the special editions that that had all of the first few DLCs. Like, before they were called Season Passes, it was basically the Season Pass, because uh, I don't think Season Passes started being a thing until a year or two ago, and the first Destiny's what? Three, four... Uh, it's a couple years uh, more than that. It's just that uh, it wasn't really included with the Deluxe Editions until you know, a lot more recently. Yeah, you know, it was the deluxe, the Digital Deluxe Edition for, of Destiny. So, And I mean, I really liked the game. I, like, I had problems with it even then, but overall I really enjoyed it. As far as console shooters go, it was probably one of the best ones I've ever played. 
that's maybe the main thing reason that I want to play Destiny 2 is just to see how much better that game is with keyboard and mouse. Because if they had such a refined system for dealing with a controller, it would have to be either amazing or utter garbage. Like, it would be one extreme or the other. Like, they designed well, the it so much is, for a console have, that was fucked up for keyboard and mouse, or it would just be amazing. One of the two. Have you seen some of the stuff coming out about uh, the PC version uh, be able to activate the aim assist? No. For a, cons- uh, for a controller? Oh, boy. It's... A couple people figured out during the beta that they were able to get their uh, essentially mouse to act like a thumbstick uh, and were able to trigger the aim assist and it has some amazingly strong bullet magnetism. Yeah. And uh, combine that with a mouse, uh, well, mouse-like movement because it's not true one-to-one mouse because it's handling it like a thumbstick. Yeah, there was a couple of videos that was just he, this guy just hitting headshot after headshot after headshot. With some of his uh, shots, the crosshairs being nowhere near the person. So, yeah. It, it, they need to... Well, assuming that they fix that, because once again, you know, it is in the beta or was in the beta, but the th- it's also the flip side of it is that this is a beta more like stress test than everything. Yeah, well, I mean, didn't is it Destiny released in some reason? Yeah, I think it, yeah, I think it's out now. Fire up the Blizzard launcher and find out. Uh, <laughs> BattleNet app. Blizzard BattleNet. Blizzard. Twitter. Yeah, Blizzard BattleNet. Watch my yeah, connection's going to take a shit cuz it's going to be downloading something I didn't realize. Yeah, which honestly I for my Blizzard MMs. <laughs> Well, it really depends on the monthly flavor. Yeah, you know, sometimes there's a good uh, Blizzard monthly flavor, uh, and sometimes it's other shit. I imagine, yeah, you know, next month is going to be some sort of pumpkin thing, which, yeah. It's just as pre-purchased now. So probably not in your region. Yeah. Probably not in the United States. Which Yet. is interesting. If it's not... Usually U.S., if they're going to do staggered releases... Unless it's a Japanese game, the U.S. gets the first release. Let's see what Destiny 2's release date is. September 6th. So, I guess maybe they just had, like, staggered, like, launches. Well, to technically keep the it servers. is the 6th. Yeah, well, they did, like, maybe they're doing, like, staggered launches to keep the servers from being bombarded from for downloads. Yeah, but this is an Activision game, and it's on uh, Blizzard's, uh, oh, sorry, Blizzard Battle.net. So, you know, it's kind of expectation that, you know, the servers go... Yeah. I clicked on pre-purchase now because I wanted to see, like, what the different uh, levels were. And I'm getting an error. It's probably because it's, like, in between being able to actually, like, pre-purchase and purchase. Yeah. But that's funny. It's like, nope, thou shalt not pre-order. My computer knows. (laughs) It's like, don't even think about it. Well, at least it's able to follow the commandments. (laughs) wait do you know someone who pre-ordered a game recently well we were talking about the microtransactions and that's another uh, commandment so oh yeah but yeah i just thought that was interesting the way that they were implementing it and my i guess personal connection with destiny makes me feel like that's weird but yeah there was some discussion to be had all right so one last discussion yep 
do you shoot grandma or help her across the street? Obviously, you shoot her. Uh, the anatomy of a good in-game choice, according to Obsidian. Yeah, and this uh, uh, really comes down to kind of the extreme nature of gaming uh, on their moral choices. Uh, most of them are very black and white. Well, unless you're Fallout, then it's just different shades of white with a sarcastic answer. <laughs> or if you're playing Star Wars and it's or Star Wars or... Uh, Mass Effect, then it's red and blue. <laughs> Alright, and until the ending, then they go RGB. hi <laughs> But this, uh, more is to open up a uh, kind of a almost general discussion topic up just about the morality in games, really, because there's a lot of room for improvement with just player choice in general. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this made me really think of Overlord. Created, I really couldn't play much of that game because, you know, it just gave me motion sickness. Just something with how the camera moves. Yeah, I played but, both Overlord games. But Fun honestly, games. Uh, at least what I played of Overlord, I felt more like a dickish hero than, you know, an evil Overlord. Yeah, you definitely feel much more like an anti-hero sort of person. It's like, ultimately, you're doing the good thing. Like, you're helping everybody. You're just kind of an asshole. Which, Overlord 2 has got some yeah. a little bit better. It's like... So in, in Overlord 2, as you take over stuff, uh, you I mean, you basically conquer territories and take it away from other bad guys. And then people from those territories will sometimes come to your throne room and be like, please, mighty Overlord, help me with my problem. And then you can kind of be evil to those people and, like, you can choose to help them or, like, throw them in a pit of lava. But let me guess. If you help them, it, it rewards you a lot better. And that's part of the, uh, the discussion on this was that there's a balance that has to be made with the player reward system that a lot of games don't really handle all that well. They talked about a potential, okay, well, if you help this person, uh, you have this uh, weapons dealer, they may give you 10 coins or 10 gold or 10 you know, credits, whatever. But if you kill them, you get their entire stock, you get all the money that they have, and it makes a lot more sense to be kind of a dick. But it doesn't have really any repercussions because it's just a one NPC in a world of, you know, that doesn't really care. Yes. And. And. <laughs> um, yeah, the Overlord games didn't do very well. But, you know, Overlord 2 gave you those opportunities to be like, I'm the evil Overworld, and I can throw you into the pit of lava if I want to. But yeah, you don't really get rewards if you do that, aside from like the satisfaction of throwing someone into a pit of lava. And you yeah, get like this is Sparta. Them. Yeah. Uh, there are a few games that have done it really well, though. Fable yeah, the- 3, for example. Um, you spend the whole first portion of the game, like the first two-thirds of it, like, I'm going to overthrow my evil brother and take control of the country. And then you realize, like, oh, even though he's been doing some really dickish things, like he knows about this evil threat just like I do. <clears throat> and the things that he's been doing, even though they're evil, are for the greater good. And it's like, do I choose to keep going down the path that I'm going on and being good but being less prepared? Or do I do the evil things like he was but be ultimately better prepared to fight the e- the, the big bad? Question. That, but you uh, could... What part of that involves farting in people's faces? Yes. <laughs> but you could completely undermine that system by being a good property manager and you just like hang out like because time stops basically until you 
as as you make these different choices it's like you get a choice and some time passes and then you get a big choice and some time passes and you get a little bit of time to just like run around or do whatever before you have to make the decision and you can just hang out for two or three days like leave your game running overnight for a couple of nights just collect all the gold from all of your real estate that you have and then you can just pay for the army yourself and then if you want to be good you can do that and have no repercussions for not like forcing people to join the army or repossessing their land so you can use it for whatever needs so yeah but that's more of a story gameplay segregation problem than uh really a moral choice problem yes but i mean they they gave a good presentation of it and it's like you know like these choices seem bad on the surface but not everybody knows everything and you do well um from what I recall of what I played, uh, the first Witcher had some really interesting shades of gray uh, choices, and also choices that seemed good on the surface that had some repercussions later on. Uh, like, uh, the one that I could recall offhand is uh, the elves stealing the food in the first act. How it uh, changed things later on. But granted, the Witcher is probably one of the better ch- uh, options for player choice, and kind of shades of gray morality yeah i i've said this before already in the last few episodes like mass effect andromeda does this system really well like there is no moral system just people react to your choices and it's like if you do something that people think is more bad they'll comment and on it and if you do something people think is more good they'll comment and react on it and people change their attitude towards you based on how you respond to them and how you handle situations and there is no morality meter. You just are the character that you play, and people treat you, for the most part, uh, appropriately. And I, I like that the best, probably. They do that well in Fallout 4, too. Like, certain characters... Like, there's certain characters that are just, like, inherently more, I don't know, bad guys. Like, there's a character you can get who's... She's basically an outlaw. And she... Like, if you do things that are, you know, bad quote-unquote, she'll, like, be like, yeah, that's awesome, let's do that, steal that shit, or whatever. But then if you do things that are nice and you help people out, she's like, what are you doing? You could have totally looted, like, uh, gotten more reward, or you could have totally, like, mugged those guys, and they they were defenseless. And there's other characters that respond in, in different, you know, in other ways. So that's, I think, a pretty good way to handle moral, moral you know, this whole moral system and games and make it feel more natural but it really comes down to well, what, what obsidian was talking about was more just okay well you could be this or this but nothing in between yeah the example they gave uh, yeah shoot grandma or just help her cross the street yeah and because it's a video game you obviously shoot grandma of course because uh, don't you know that she's actually the evil overlord behind everything in, disi- in disguise because she's related to the protagonist? Video games. Logic. Duh. <laughs> um, yeah, I like two choices that don't really have an inherent right answer. Like, for example, I've, I've brought this up before too. In Mass Effect 2, uh, one of the side loyalty missions for legion the the geth which is the robot people if you've never played mass effect um there's like a they've splintered off into like various factions and one faction worships the the reapers as gods 
Um, and so you go on a mission and you go to this facility where that they have one of their hive minds and there's like millions of geth living there or like millions of geth consciousness living there. Um, and when you get to the end of it, you've got two choices. You can either destroy the facility, which will kill nine million geth, or you can uh, inject a piece of code that basically makes them give up their belief system. And then they come and they help you in the in the battle later in, in the third game when you fight the reapers and it's like that's a choice that doesn't really have a right answer both decisions are shitty it's like i commit genocide or i basically brainwash this group of individuals to come help me and the game doesn't like punish you for whichever choice you make like everyone accepts it's like you know what this is a shitty decision and you had to make a choice and you did what you thought was best you know I like stuff like that as well. You can't have too many of those. They talk about this somewhere in, in the in the article. Like you can't have too many big choices because you get fatigued trying to make those choices. Yeah, true. But when you do use them, when you use them properly, they can be amazing if they're done well. And I think that's an example of uh, of games doing that well. Well, what about the uh, morality of Shepard saying that every shop is his favorite on the <laughs> Citadel? <laughs> you know that's something that nobody ever comments on in the game but i like to to think that like that shepherd is corporately minded he's fiscally minded he wants all those discounts they should have just had it where one of his armors just has all the different <laughs> logos from uh, the different stores that would have been amazing uh, cor- corporate shepherd <laughs> uh, sort of uh, uh mystery men remember uh uh, oh, now I'm blanking on the actual hero's name, but you know the kind of this uh, uh, main superhero that uh, gets kidnapped in that movie. His uh, super suit was. I had all his corporate sponsors on it. I don't remember that. It's been forever. I have seen Mystery Man once before. Yeah, but you remember the suit, and it had you know like Budweiser and all that on it. Yeah. They should have had that for Shepard if he was going to whore himself out. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Yeah. But uh, the uh, flip side of the problem is that, you know, it, if you have it where these moral choices lead you down very fast, vastly different roads, you know, how could a developer really set that up and make sense, especially in a game that has a lot bigger graphical fidelity? I mean, granted, uh, The Witcher was able to do it, but they kind of splurred things off rather starkly. Yeah. But to to have something more gentle, you know, have something more uh, fading into the background. Maybe it's just the fact that it doesn't make a lot of monetary sense to uh, spend all that time on something that if you do it right, the average gamer wouldn't notice. And maybe that's part of the problem is that if you have a really good moral choice that has a hidden thing going on in the background that changes the story, it's a lot easier to see shoot grandma or help her across the street and not go uh, get her a bus pass. (laughs) Yep. Give grandma a bus pass. 
<laughs> multi-pass. Easy there, Lelou. <laughs> yep. I I like morality systems in games, just in general, overall. I like morality mm-hmm. systems in games when they're more than just you're Jesus or you're the devil. I like games that are a lot more nuanced, uh, and I like the way that a lot of modern games are going with it. Having not necessarily a system, just the characters respond to the actions that you take. And that's how I feel about that. That's all you got to say about that. Yep. How do you how do you, how do you like or how do you feel about morality systems in general? And then we'll move uh, on. I I prefer uh, at least some situations. Granted, you can't have every every choice be yeah. You know, there's no right or wrong answer, but I do like to have you know, at least one or two uh, big choices. You know, have it where there's no clear cut. Okay. If you uh, do this, you're a dick. Or if you don't do this, you're a dick. I'd much rather have it where there's a uh, hidden consequence of a shade of gray choice, if that makes any sense. Yep. Something like how The Witcher handled it. I think it's probably the best description of it. Where it's, you know, you make a choice early on and it changes things later. But it's not actually obvious what it does, and I think that's probably the uh, the best choice for me is that yeah something that doesn't feel okay. Well, if I give this person uh uh yeah five bucks, yeah, it, yeah they're uh, going to go buy crack. Yeah, that does that doesn't feel like a good uh direct choice unless I don't know about his crack buying habits. <laughs> You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally gonna go buy crack. Well, You're talking about that... the The Witcher Two, right? Well, well, I haven't played enough of The Witcher Two. I uh, played, a, I think, a little bit of it, but I played about a third of the first Witcher. And it's one of those things that after I kind of got a little bit fatigued, because I'll be perfectly honest, the, the first Witcher it has some really good moral choices, but it doesn't have a lot of good gameplay pacing, at least in the beginning of the game. And I seemed to have uh, uh, given up right before the game started to pick up its pace. Uh, but once I kind of gave up on it, I looked to see what some of the choices I made were. And the one that always stuck out with me was there was a uh, a a caravan that I believe got was getting robbed. And I had the choice of giving the food to the elves... But the thing is that if I did, that it makes them more likely to rebel later, if I recall correctly. So your choice of trying to help someone backfires on you. And there's no way of really knowing that. Okay. So I've never, try, I've never uh, played I, the Witcher I, 1. I, I do like the also the idea of a, a good choice potentially backfiring. You know, that obvious good choice being a trap. But that's also something else that needs to be used very gently. If you make it too often, it feels like a dick move on the developer's part. Yeah. All right. So shall we move along to the community corner? Let's do that. So uh, last time I checked, uh, the crickets were still hanging out in the mailbag. Indeed. 
And we just had a couple answers to the question of the week, and that was it. So we'll do that. So the question of the week was, do you think we'll ever see Half-Life 3 or Episode 3, and why? Kyle, likely not. Valve is too interested in developing, or sorry, is not interested in developing anymore. And why would they be? Steam is making them money hand over fist. And Jim, no. Continuing the Half-Life series in the future would feel super dated, much like Duke Nukem Forever. People have too high expectations. And I kind of agree with Jim on the expectations part, but I'm not sure if uh, Half-Life would feel dated if they did it right. But the thing is that it really depends on how it's developed. Right. Because uh, Half-Life 3, assuming that, you know, it, if the rumors are true and it just recently uh, quit development or got shelved or whatever, it would be a very dated game if they hadn't refreshed it over and over again. And I'm not sure if it's really fair comparing it to Duke Nukem Forever because Duke Nukem is a very dated character to begin with. You know, he's a very 90s character. He's a very early 2000s character. Yeah. My big <laughs> my biggest problem with Duke Nukem Forever is that they made fun of tropes and then did the tropes. Yeah. That's the that's the biggest problem I have with that game. Well, supposedly it was just kind of pushed out the door once Gearbox got a hold of it, which Gearbox uh, just throwing together something and pushing it out. Nah. Yeah, they never did that. <laughs> yeah, there's rumors. Well, there's rumors circulating that they're working heavily on Borderlands Three, and with how they've treated the last few projects, not really looking forward to that anymore. I mean, granted, this was also before yeah burnout on. Uh, uh, on Borderlands 2, but Borderlands 3 had a, has potential to be a full MMO with the way they ended Borderlands 2. Yeah. I'd be happy with that. But the thing is that I'm not sure if I trust Gearbox to develop it properly. <laughs> or market it properly. <clears throat> so, um, if you wish to... Uh, or contribute to the community corner since we don't have anything else uh, tweet wise or anything else you can email us vglpodcast at gmail.com or you can just tweet us vglpodcast on twitter and our question of the week appears there Friday evening at some point <laughs> sweet well uh, and we didn't have any tweets no no tweets uh, directly we just had a couple of the uh, of the uh, question of the week answers and that's all I saw so, music time? Music time. And I Go. have one right off the bat. I don't even have my cue pulled up yet, so go uh, for it. Uh, Life is Strange Before the Storm. Uh, okay. I'm not sure about this. Mostly because I didn't particularly care for Chloe, especially in the first couple episodes, and the... Uh, pre-release stuff for this game made Chloe seem like mega bitch. Well, or maybe Chloe, it's just how I came, how it came across to me. I mean, Chloe was kind of a bitch, but and I did. I, I, uh, maybe she has some sort of character growth during this, but the fact is also that it's a very uh, well, it's a truncated uh, series. It's one of those that I am watching it for to see how it goes. But it's not something I want to dive onto right away. But 
since we really did like Life is Strange, it's I want to see where it goes. Yeah, and I specifically fell in love with Chloe, so mm-hmm. I mean, I did choose to let the world burn to be with her. So yeah, and I also have a second one right off the bat: Rock of Ages Two, Bigger, Bolder. <laughs> I, I I really liked Rock of Ages. It's sort of a Monty Python tower defense uh, <laughs> a bowling game. It's a weird, weird, weird concept. <laughs> you are Sithless, who got tired of rolling his rock up the hill endlessly, only to see it roll back down. So you decide to take it out on Hades. And it turns into a tower, a pseudo tower defense game. I'm surprised that you never played this. Uh, do I? I might have the first Rock of Ages. I'm not I, sure if I do or it, not. If you uh, don't, I would suggest checking it out or checking this out once it, you know, probably goes a little bit cheaper because you may not. Uh, uh, want to dive right onto a 15 buck game uh, just to, you know, it's outside your impulse buy range. Yeah, I, I do have the first Rock of Ages. I just quickly typed it in the search box. <clears throat> and it's green, which means I have it. Uh, but uh, have you played it? That's I have question. not. It's always been one of those games that I'm like, yeah, I'll play this when I have like an afternoon. And then I never do. I always play something else. Yeah, I would suggest trying it out, especially since you like your tower defense. Yeah, so it's a, it's it goes it essentially goes into rounds. It has the tower defense portion where you're, uh, you know, putting up uh, your towers and trying to block the enemy boulder from uh, reaching your gate, or at least damaging it enough so and slowing it enough so it doesn't impact as heavily. Then once your boulder's ready, you take control of it and roll it down the enemy side, and you're essentially on both sides of the tower defense at once. Yeah, that sound that was the first one, too. That's the first one. That's the first one. Okay. Yeah, uh, two uh, uh and there's also boss fights like uh one of the fights you fight uh, a giant version of Michael and Joe's David. And you're go- just going through history fighting different historical uh, figures. <laughs> And uh, some of it seemed, and it has a Monty Python style of cutscene where it's all the cutouts and they're just dancing around. I'm talking, you know, the uh, the in betweens of Monty Python where you know it's the classical art uh, dancing around, that sort of thing. Okay, interesting. Yeah, go 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 play Rock of Ages. So, do you have one? Yeah, uh, Impulse of War. It super weird, generic, almost mobile-sounding name, but it looks like, um, shoot, what's the game that's like Cross Out but robots and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it looks kind of like that, but it's an early access. I'm, oh, it's free to play, early access, free to play. It's just got a different art style, a little bit less cartoony, but still sci-fi. Uh, where's the right place on the sheet? Here we go. I don't know. Looks kind of nifty. Not great. It's got like middling reviews and a low player base, so it's probably not going to last. But <laughs> yeah, really, it looks well, all right. I ended up. My, I'm I'm getting all the good choices or all the interesting choices. Quick Champions just popped up, uh, and this is 
I'm not sure how this is going to do because it is a, a buy-in to, I think it's going to go free to play eventually, but it has a very low player base right now of, well, today's peak was 1300, but right now it's 500 with an all-time peak of 2300. It's essentially an arena shooter, but they're trying to put in some hero shooter elements as well with different classes. Now, I'm not sure how it's going to work out overall, but it's an interesting experiment, and at least they're trying to do arena shooters. Granted, this is a $30 game, or at least for the Champions Pack. There's no way to play it free-to-play just yet. Uh, let's see. Um, during early access, the Champions Pack is launching at a discounted $30 price. Discounted $30 price, mind you. Early access players will uh, get exclusive early access skin, blah, 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 blah. blah. So eventually, uh, it will be a free-to-play game, so I think. But the thing is that it will also be grindy as hell to unlock those champions. Yeah, I'm sure. So, uh, it's They're kind of uh, treading on uh, thin ice, huh? Yeah. But, yeah, at least Quake is back, but we'll see how it does. But it's one of those things. Uh, saw it pop up, had to add it. Yep. Uh, so, my next game, JCB Pioneer Mars, which is basically a survival crafting sure. game, except yeah. where you're on Mars. Uh, it's uh, the Martian in the game. Basically, yeah, the Martian in the game. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty sure I have that on my wish list. Yeah. I just added it to mine. I've seen this on Keymailer. I think I requested a key. I, I had to have requested a key for this on Keymailer. Yeah, I know I did. Like, this is my kind of game, as long as it's not garbage. Like, this is my kind of game. It's got mixed reviews, uh, so I don't know why they're mixed. Yeah, but... well, I got another one that's interesting. I'm not sure how good this is. It really depends on the community. Comedy Night. This was also on consoles for quite a while. But it made its Steam release. It is essentially a game where people join a chat room and one person's up on stage telling jokes and you can heckle them. And it's all uh, uh, community driven. So the person on stage is a person telling uh, jokes or you know, talking on stage. The thing is that oh, it also comes down to just how well people are trying to make effort for this because it seems like on console it uh, actually did fairly well it's just on steam there's a lot of people complaining about people just uh, going online and finding hitler jokes <laughs> yeah i this sound that sounds like my worst nightmare i have a i'm not it, a very sociable a, person i have some really? pretty major social anxieties whenever it comes to things like that uh, Th this it, is just one of those things. It's an interesting concept, and I yeah, I applaud them for that. Yeah. Uh, so I got one. Um, Frostpunk. Uh, this looks like a a city builder, but you have to survive in an icy wasteland. Kind of. It looks similar to. Damn, I just can't remember game names tonight. The Banished. Is that it? Uh, it's like yeah. the medieval survival game, and it's like, yeah, it looks kind of like a, a, a steampunk version of Banished, which I like. A steampunk is is a, a genre I like, and Banished I thought was a decent enough game. So it's not; it doesn't even have a release date yet. So who knows when that's coming? But looks pretty neat. Put that on my wish list. Yeah, I'm just scrolling through the rest of my. Uh discovery queue it was front loaded this week 
Yeah, mine was at the at the end. I've only got one more left. What is this? I thought I had this before. Loading screen simulator. I mean, that's bullshit. I'm not putting it on a list, but I could have swear I'd had that one before. Uh, I tweeted out about it. I I guess that's where I saw it. It's one of those things like, what the hell? <laughs> what is this? This looks nifty. Uh, United Tactics. It's a turn-based World War Two combat game, but it's got like little pixel arty designs it, or pixel arty graphics. Maybe sort of inspired by Advance Wars. Uh, United Tactics. It's nifty looking. Definitely piqued my attention because usually I don't go for games like this. They tend to be a bit obtuse. Read the description a little bit more. Yeah, I'm gonna take a look at it now. Interesting. And I have one more for my list. Okay. The last day of June. It's a... Well, they call it a deep interactive adventure about love and loss beautifully depicted and offering intense cinematic experience. It looks very pretty. And it has some uh, really nice reviews on it. It doesn't seem like it's gotten a lot of attention though, so it's one of those things that makes me want to take a, yeah, a deeper look at it. It looks like it had a launch day special with Brothers A Tale of Two Sons. Uh, is this the same developer? I, I just noticed that. Yeah, you know, I, I was scrolling through uh, uh, it's not the, the same developer, right but it may be the same publisher because it's five of five games, and I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's from the publisher of Brothers of Tale of Two Sons. Granted, yo, that doesn't mean a lot because this same publisher also did Payday Two. <laughs> yeah, this looks. It looks interesting. Odd. Yeah, the art style, particularly on the people's faces, is. Yeah. Uh, the trailer uh, has huh. an interesting, uh, almost a miniature look, you know? Yeah. I dig this. I dig this. It probably is going to make me cry. What doesn't? <laughs> but uh, I'm just listening to the trailer. I, I have a feeling this is a very, very, very sad game. <laughs> yeah. Just from the trailer, it's just uh, the uh, the trail of uh, the, to that, <laughs> and the description that the last line. What would you do to save the one you love? It yeah. looks like you can like go back in time through these paintings and maybe change yeah, which, things. Yeah, which makes me feel. Uh, oh, and now I'm blanking on the game. No, good. It's your turn now. <laughs> oh, our game club game. Which game club game? Uh, uh, the memory game. Life uh, is strange. No, no. You can just go back in time. Um, no, where you're going through a person's memories and oh, altering them. Oh, um, um. <laughs> fuck to the moon. To the moon. Yes, it's one of those games that you know. Uh, uh, unless you remember the actual story, it doesn't make a lot of sense. The title. Yeah, it has a very to the moon vibe to it. Yeah. So that may be one for Game Club in the future. Oh god, I'm gonna cry so much. <laughs> what? This might be the, the game that makes me cry the most. 
uh, just from the watching the trailer. I'm just. I already feel sad watching the trailer. <laughs> and it's got like a really pretty thoughtful, sad soundtrack. At least on this one trailer that I'm listening to for just a moment. It's like a sappy song. Yeah, I'm gonna cry so hard. <laughs> well, it's on the wish list. I mean, granted, yep. it is a little more expensive uh, uh, than uh, Brothers of Tale of Two Sons, but we'll see how it goes. And, and like I said, it looks like it's not getting that many players, so which is a bit sad. It, ballpark, according to Steam Spa, total owners uh, somewhere in the 2,000 to 6,000 range. Granted, it just came out, a, well, about a week ago, so... This is. I have a feeling this is one of those games that go will become con. Uh, uh, has a potential of becoming like a cult hit. Uh, assuming that it's good, that's the thing. Is that I have no idea. It's just no idea just how it is, but it looks interesting. Yep. Well, that's my and, list. And, we're, and we're going to have to make Jerry cry in the future. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm sure I'll cry, and even in my XCOM recording. Some of those tears will be because I'm so angry, and then some of them will be sad when someone dies. I don't know what I'm gonna do if you die. I'll probably just, like, if you're the VIP, if you die, it's game over. Aww. And here I've killed you how many times now? <laughs> eh. I'll give you a nice grave. And, Thanks. Uh, pr and probably whoever uh, puts you in it uh, will carve you puking or something. You actually haven't came up in a uh, bitter end yet. I don't... I've, I've, I've only killed two people so far. That's... Good. I guess. Uh, two people in 20-ish episodes? Well, uh... Well, that's what I've recorded to. I'm trying to remember what I just released. Uh, matter of fact, my last one literally just came out. But... Uh, your uncle's dead. Oh no, my uncle. Yeah. So, he has that going for him. Which is <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. That's my list, though. Uh, was that your list? Yeah, that's my list. Uh, uh, last Day of June was literally the last one. <laughs> and I did pass up a couple things that looked somewhat interesting, but you know, I was starting to fill up my uh, Discovery Q quite a bit. Yeah. But nope. then again, I'm you. It's weird. I'm a, a hard ass when it comes to my uh, reviews, but you know, I'm more lenient to. Huh, that looks interesting. Yeah, that looks neat. Let's go for it. That looks interesting. Let's rip it apart. Yeah. And speaking of going for things, now I'm gonna go for the part of the podcast where I go first. Yeah. See, I did that. See, I pulled that off. Uh, what's coming up on my channel? Well, there is Divinity, and like I said, I'm going to start recording XCOM this week. Uh, probably, well, the first episode will be easy, because I'm going to talk about my specific rules and the mods that I'm using, and that'll probably be the entire first episode. So you should expect to see that. Are in... you going to steal my idea and make it episode zero? No, I could do that. I wasn't going to, but I'm probably going to now. <laughs> Uh, that episode will should definitely be coming up this week because that'll only take probably thirty minutes to record, and there won't be like any real gameplay. So, easy squeezy, limit peasy. 
Uh, and then starting this in the next week, I'm going to start recording that pretty heavily. And I'll do it like how I do usual things, probably do chunks of it at a time. I might release it a little bit more piecemeal so that it'll last longer. But given the like the the way that I'm able to record, it'll be huge chunks of recording and then like... Huge chunks! Huge chunks and then, you know, it'll come out when it comes out. So that's how that's going to go. Be looking forward to that. I know I am. And like I said earlier in the show, but in case you've forgotten, if you want to be in... Uh, and you want, even if, and you want to design your own character, you can send me a character design. If you have XCOM 2, you can just, uh, give me the, the link to your exported file and I'll, I'll download your character. If you want to be in, but you don't want to create a character, just send me a message on Steam or Twitter or whatever. And you can find out where to do those in just a moment if you don't know already. And, uh, I will put you in the game. Like I said, my roster has 17 VGL people in it right now. And then I'm up to about 30 characters total. But, uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll take some more. I'll expand the amount of characters that I have, so it'll be harder for me to die. Um, and uh, if you want to see that stuff, you can do so on my YouTube channel by searching for Gaming Psychologist on the YouTubes. Uh, and I would love it if you subscribe to me, if you like what I do and find it interesting. If you want to follow me on Twitter, where you can see me tweet about all kinds of things. I haven't done very much tweeting since I've been sick the last couple of days, but I'm sure that will return. <laughs> weather issues and politics will once again rule my 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 uh my twitter feed but other things will be in there as well you can do so follow those things at jma4707 even if you want me to stop you know feel free to follow me and then come yell at me for for talking about politics too much that's fine too i still get the twitter follower either way uh if you want to stream games on twitch you can do so over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707 uh, did we put a link to the Twitch uh, I didn't schedule last in the week show notes? because I need to rebuild my, uh, uh, well, my template. I needed to do a complete rewrite, and it was a little too late for me to do it. I, That's I, I, I wanted to, yeah, you know, not have just word salad. Okay, that is fine, but we should definitely get that in there soon. Um, oh my, yeah, I've got a got a schedule of games that are being streamed now. This week's game on the schedule is World of Warships. And next but, week? Uh, I don't remember. I'll have to go look. <laughs> I'm going, I was going to pull it up right now, but pretty I Pretty sure it's Rocket League. I think it is. I think it is. Um, but I'm considering bumping those back an extra week and putting Crossout on the list soon, sooner. Uh, uh, put it a couple weeks. Yeah, I do it for a couple of weeks because I know Ghost Shark is into it and he asked me about it. And I want more people to participate, so give them some more time to play with it. Well, we actually want some uh, listener participation in Game Club for once. I would, yes, yeah. we haven't we haven't had that much in uh, the last few. It makes me wonder, yeah, you know, what we should do with Game Club to try to change it up. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good question. Give us some feedback about Game Club. But uh, yeah, I'm at looking at the list, and I'm just making an executive decision that the next two weeks are going to be cross out and just bump everything else on the list well, down. I- uh, so no world uh, world warships this week. Yeah, no, that's just gonna be cross out. I'm okay. I'm changing that on the list right now. So it goes room. Got it. Yep. Yep. Well, considering nobody showed up for paladins. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So this this Friday is gonna be cross out. That is September the eighth, and next Friday as well is gonna be cross out. That is September the fifteenth. So enjoy 
that. And that is twitch.tv slash jarethor4707. If you want to be my friend on Steam, my username is jarethor4707. I accept all friend requests and chat with all the people who want to chat me up. So far, you all have been lovely, lovely people. I haven't had any new friend requests in a couple of three weeks. Uh, so somebody send me a friend request. And if you do, and want to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is gluttonous. Gluttonous. All right. Yeah, just because AAA, you know, it, it felt like a good word, you know? Fair enough. And I have the best words. <laughs> the very best. And I could just hear that eye twitch. I could hear it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, my channel, I actually picked up a, a sub or two in the last week or two. And that's not even counting our Mystery Norwegian uh, listener, assuming that they're still there and I haven't scared them off by calling them out. No, come back. Uh, but, uh, let's see. Uh, pretty much everything is in the middle of its normal run. Uh, Van Helsing is in its third act now, and I'm starting playtesting on something a little bit different for the replacement of that. Uh, Rimworld is also, uh, it's, in uh it's in the late teens early 20s by the time you're listening to this so i need to do one more recording to really get far enough ahead that i'm a bit more comfortable in that should things go to shit and things have been kind of interesting there i got the robots are active now so grief has been replaced with his digital counterpart granted i haven't named it groove but that's mostly because uh, you can't have too many of those running around, right? You call it Groovebot. <laughs> well, actually, uh, it's kind of funny. I accidentally uh, misnamed the cleaner bot because I wanted to just name it Roomba, but I only put one O, so it was more Romba, and then it got killed. So its replacement was Tango. Nice. And I think I'm uh, going to make a tradition of uh, the cleaner bots are always going to have some sort of dance name. <laughs> uh, just kind of on the fly. Uh, just something different, you know? Uh, and let's see. Divinity is hopefully not going to have an interruption because someone had a slight case of the illness. So we're going to have to see if yeah, we keep that up. I do have enough for this week, and I'm going to try to knock someone on the head and uh, get them to record with me. And not get them distracted with Crossout. <laughs> who, who would that be? Gee, I can't <laughs> imagine who that would be. Oh. Okay. And Sunday Sampler hopefully will uh, continue on. Uh, Sunday Sampler is always the uh, series that is the most prone to interruption just due to games breaking. Uh, nothing really coming out all that interesting. Or really just not feeling like recording. Granted, I should uh, do some backup stuff, but I don't like having uh, just evergreen content just sitting there waiting and then uh, yeah, make a reference to something that's happened months ago. It just doesn't seem you know, as fun. But I probably should do it anyway. Uh, I'll make jokes uh, about future things. <laughs> oh. Yeah, what's with all the chrome on everything? 
<laughs> Do you remember when wheels existed? <laughs> oh, but if you wish to see all the jokes that flop and me get slightly frustrated at games, you can find me over at Gaming with Caffeine Rage on the YouTubes. Or if you wish to see me tweet about semi-random things, uh, the last couple of tweets, I made a comment about my local grocery store having 25 pound bags of sugar and flour. <laughs> and it just amused me. Mostly because it's a very, very small store. And then kind of hit me, just how many cookies do you have to make to make that make sense, you know? A lot. And wherever they are, I'm there. <laughs> but you can find that over at Gaming of CR on the Twitter. And speaking of places to go for things, uh, you could reach us once again, VGL Podcast at gbl.com with your letters, voicemails, and gaming related topics, or just tweet us VGL Podcast on Twitter. If you want to help to pay for this absolute madness, we love you for that. And you can find that over at patreon.com slash VGL Podcast. Or if you need our show notes or want to, you know, escape uh, <laughs> our YouTube channels to be able to listen to us on the go, you can find our RSS feed via vtlpodcast.podbean.com or we're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, who knows where else. You know, just wherever good podcasts are, somehow we snuck in there, hopefully. <laughs> sneak, sneak, right. sneak. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod, and our Discovery Key music is Doobly Doo by the same author. You can find his work at computech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye-bye now. I mean, really, who needs 25 pounds of sugar? <laughs> I mean, my, just like the ant problem. My wife is going to need it soon. It's fall. It's baking <laughs> time. That's, dear Lord, that woman's going to make me fat. Er. <laughs> I was about to say, I would send it to you, but <laughs> just imagine the shipping cost. Yeah. Bye-bye. See ya. Hello, listeners. Tis just you and I, together, in this time and space alone, while rage is gone. So a fun activity for people to do to relieve stress or pass the time is to uh, buy adult coloring books. I have a bad habit when we do the podcast of getting distracted, um, and sometimes whenever I just say yeah or um or whatever, it's to just pass along uh, the conversation because I wasn't actually paying attention because I got distracted. So in order to try and combat that, I have bought some adult coloring books and colored pencils and, and really nice markers and stuff. And I'm going to see if doing that allows me to focus. I use this with clients all the time to help them calm down. Um, and focus in when they're stressed out. Um, so who knows? Maybe it'll help me too. And I hear rage coming back. So I'll just sit here quietly until he sits down. <laughs>